Ultima Exodus. This is the ultimate role-playing fantasy game. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. The day has come. We have been talking about it for a long time on this show. An RPG, a real one if you will, uh, is finally here. It's a, it's a WRPG, not a JRPG, but I think we can all feel satisfied, right? That's, that's yes. interesting. I've never heard that term before uh, for just Western RPG. Yeah, Western RPGs. I think, you know, like there's even like debate if this is a CRPG computer. I'll call it, we'll, we'll call it a console port of a CRPG. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I think of like WRPGs, like, the first that comes to my, my head is like Fallout, you know, uh, that like you would not, it, it's definitely an RPG, but you wouldn't experience anything Final Fantasy like in Fallout. True. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the I, I've always heard it. I've always heard it just Western RPG. I've never actually heard it abbreviated like that. But I guess it makes sense if we have JRPGs. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's exciting to have something that's not just like a game that has some RPG elements now. Like this is an RPG. Like make no mistake. And so we're really, uh, you know, entering new territory here on how to do a show where a game is massive. You know, I I think. So many times the games that we review can boil be boiled down into like what are today's mini games, but this is a full like twenty hour plus game with so many nuances and as Sean mentioned is really like a computer game that then got like ported to the NES. So how we deal with this is just going to be a learning experience for everybody and just uh bear with us through this so this way when we do some better uh RPGs that like people know about, like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy We'll, uh, we'll find our footing. So the ultimate exit is I'm officially declaring this a test episode. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I agree. I mean, when we can spend like, I don't know if it was like 30, 40, or 50 minutes on Popeye, um, which is basically <laughs> like doing two things for maybe 15 minutes before you get sick of it. Um, and then this, in the same, in the same show, uh, I hope that we don't do it for five hours, but let's just see where we take it. Now... You know, the length of the game is definitely something worth talking about. And technically, right, like the great arcade games of the NES, you could invest more than 20 hours into those games. I'm not sure how many people are doing that today, but I'm sure there are kids who played 20 plus hours of Donkey Kong if they loved Donkey Kong. Sure, but but that kind of thing, I think what the difference is, is that kind of thing is like there's... The gameplay loop is is more like condensed. It's like you're doing the one thing, you're trying to get better at that one skill. This is like... I mean, it still has a gameplay loop, but it's just like a sprawling adventure. You know, you're you're. It's closer to Legend of Zelda in that sense, I think, where it's like you're exploring and you're trying to get you know get new weapons and armor, and in this case, level up and and, and whatnot. It's constantly new information being thrown at you. You can't yeah, just continue right. to do the same thing over and over again. It's not so much a test of skill as it is a test of preparation and uh, perseverance through grind. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a completely different experience. 
And so given the extreme length of this NES game, uh, you know, nowhere near as long as games today can be, but given that this is a long NES game, I, my first concern with just the game in general happens right on the very back of the box. You know, you're reading about this great story um, and you're going on an adventure and look at all these cool features. And one of those cool features is that, and it's advertised on the back of the box, it advertises a five-year lithium battery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Five years isn't really going to do you much good uh, 30 years later. So what what do you think here? What do you think, like, anybody got a working copy uh, with the original lithium battery still? Or does everybody's saves from 1989 are, like, gone now? Oh, they're they're gone. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, but I also think that if I was buying this game as a, like a teenager in '89, I would have thought that five years was plenty. Um, you know, you you don't really think too far ahead when you're that young. <laughs> so yeah, and and also like I feel like the just developers and stuff weren't thinking about like weren't thinking about like oh what's the legacy of this game going to be in in 2021 you know or anything like that. Whereas like now I feel like we're more. We're more accustomed to like nostalgia and like people, people look for their old, you know, Gen 2 Pokemon games and realize that they don't work anymore. And I feel like now a developer might think about something like that. But like back then it was just like, okay, we release this, we'll release Ultima 4 next year and, you know, we'll never think about this again. Well, even your own saves though, right, gentlemen? Like how often do you get very precious about your own save files only to realize that you never have checked in on them again? Oh, I, yeah, PS1 era. Maybe even PS2 era. I, I've definitely got some like Final Fantasy seven and eight saves that like I know I definitely have a save in Final Fantasy seven where I got like this really weird situation to occur, but like, you know, you have to move on from that. So you just I just made a copy for it. You know? Yeah, but I, 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 remember, I haven't looked at it. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, in Final Fantasy eight uh, I used to love love that game, and and anytime I would get to like a cool cutscene or an interesting part that I really liked, I would I would save it in a different save slot after that. So I would always have all of those. Like oh, I ever want to go back and play this part, play I can go do that. Hits. Never did, never did that. But yeah. I always had it in case I wanted to go back and play like an earlier part in my playthrough. <laughs> I did something like that with Kingdom Hearts, um, the original Kingdom Hearts, because it gives you ninety nine save files. I would save before every boss. With the idea that, like, oh, now when I'm done with this game, I can have, like, a a boss rush where I can just select the save file I want and battle those bosses. And I will tell you, from experience, I never did that. I never went back and loaded <laughs> nah. up any of those saves and fought any of those bosses yeah. again. Maybe, like, one or two. But for the most part, that's how my save systems work. And I think that's important to start this discussion about Ultima with because, ultimately, the games huh? that you... Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the games that you play, though, uh, like they only matter while you're playing them, and the, the memories that you make during them. Not these like 100 percent completions where you like strictly follow a guide and do everything, and then have this like perfect save file. Because at the end of the day, like you don't track your save files across the, your lifetime. Like I cannot tell you where, what's going on with my you know, earliest video <laughs> games. I don't know what the save files look like for those games, and I don't care because I have those memories instead. So when you're going on a big journey like Ultima Exodus, the five-year lithium battery uh, probably doesn't even matter that much in the grand scheme of things, but it also just doesn't matter at all after you're done with the game. Like, the important part is playing through the game and doing what you do with it, uh, not um, not doing it for the sake of completion. 
I, I, I mostly agree, but I, I will say that there are some games when it, when it is like the, when I've completed a game or when I've maxed out a level, which I've only done in something, you know, maybe like Kingdom Hearts or like if I've gotten a really high level in, in any other game or something, I do like to once in a while, like go jump into like my level 99 file of Kingdom Hearts because I, I don't want to get, I don't want to grind to level 99 again, but it's fun to kind of explore things as a level 99 character again. Like I like to keep that stuff. You know, it's a little trophy. I don't know. It's it's. it's... I could also see it. Um, I remember I kept a file in Red Dead before uh, you get kind of railroaded for the rest of the game, just so that like you know you have that file to go and dick around and do cowboy shit um, if you ever want to return to it. So it come, going back to that idea, I think I have actually come back. Yeah. So, am am I wrong to think like this is nineteen eighty nine? You know, it's the first RPG truly on the system. It, Dungeons and Dragons is is not, you know, it's it's only tabletop, paper, and pen. This is like Dungeons and Dragons coming to the NES. Like, this is kind of a big deal for, you know, Dungeons and Dragons fans, role-playing fans, uh, a new way to play tabletop games, because now it's like the, the game is the game master, uh, the dungeon master who handles, like, so much of the world building for you. And yeah, these things existed on Apple II and Commodore 64 for like a really long time before this. But the NES is so famous because it introduced an entire new generation to uh, to video gaming. You know, like they weren't, not every family had an Apple II and then also went to like these stores and bought these games. So really like a lot of people were only gaming on the NES. So this is, a eye-opening moment for a lot of people just in terms of, like, what's possible in terms of storytelling and um, and really feeling like you're going on an adventure inside of a video game, uh, something where uh, everything's programmed for you. Yeah, uh, I, I'm actually very surprised as somebody who didn't really know the history of RPGs on the NES. Like, yeah, I knew about Final Fantasy, and yeah, I had heard of like, Dragon Quest slash Warrior but I did not think that the first the first RPG that we get on the NES isn't like that classic JRPG style, but is this sort of Western CRPG um, that that isn't like a, a perfect one to one of D and D systems, but it's much closer than any JRPG. Um, and I, I always just thought that it would be kind of simplified because I do kind of consider JRPGs to be simplified. So yeah, in 1989, people are getting like all of, like a they've got a food system and there's like you you you're keeping track of the wind and the moon cycles and like this is just so much information that like that's just what RPGs were. Um I'm kind of going off the rails here if you want to save me. But. Yeah, no, I'll save you for a second because I think you made I think you did make one very strong point though of like it's surprising that this is the the first one to come. And and that's true, right? Like, you would think a Japanese developer, because they did make those games in 86, 87, like, they were totally available. They just weren't translated and brought over to the West. And I think that's because the NES, in a, in, by Nintendo of America's standards, was set up to be this, like, play your arcade games at home, buy this wacky dance pad, shoot ducks, you know? Like, <laughs> they weren't really selling the complications 
that uh, that a game like Ultima or even you know Final Fantasy would offer you. They they were kind of like saying, well, we don't really know if that audience would play these kinds of games on our systems because of the limitations of an NES against an Apple II. You know, yeah, like yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to uh, sell the the same people that play pen and paper to be like, oh, well, this is like just as good as your imagination and all the things that you can possibly control via pen and paper. Like we're going to be able to do all that on the NES, and you're going to love it. Like maybe they weren't <laughs> sold on you're that idea. Love it, <laughs> you little little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was the actual conversation in the execs room. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that was their like marketing campaign. Yeah. That was like their commercial. <laughs> and this is Ultima Exodus, not Ultima Three Exodus. They, and I think that's the right move for what it's worth. I always have an opinion on titles. That's very confusing to release the third Ultima game, um, and, and call it Ultima Three, and pretend like you know, well, one and two, you have to go buy other systems that we don't have. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, this is your first time experiencing this and you want to go on an adventure. Do I need to play one and two to understand three? Like, I think that was the right move to remove all that. But it's also not really Ultima 3 at the end of the day. There, This is a whole new soundtrack. The graphics are modified completely for the NES. There's considerable alterations to even, like, the gameplay in terms of how how long the game is and what you can do inside of it. Uh, they expanded a lot of dialogue to... Uh, be more clear and direct about what to do. And uh, I think, you know, in the computer version, the biggest change here probably is that in the computer version, you use a keyboard to control all your different menus and bring up different things. There is no NES keyboard peripheral. So they had to figure out a way to put everything that you need in menus in one particular menu that you can then shuffle through to enter other menus. I know I said menus a lot there, but the idea basically just <laughs> well, being that... Yeah, this they, game has a lot of menus. Yeah, they had to figure out a way to cram all these menus into into one bigger menu, and it, it kind of works like how... And this is the simplest explanation I can think of, but it works like Pokemon in that sense of like you hit the start button and every menu option that you'll ever need in the game pulls up it, it's very similar to that um and i think that's yeah. the right call over hitting like f or g or h you know like we don't need all those keys uh, yeah definitely and I, and I think the difference there is that like something like pokemon though the menu is like is things that you want to do that are not on like the main field you know what i mean like you, you want to go into your items or you want to go look at your pokemon or look at your stats Whereas this, it's like, if you want to talk to someone, you open up a menu and you select the talk yeah, option. That's and if something... you want to, you know, anything, <clears throat> if you want to fight, you open up the menu and you click fight and then a battle will start, you know, if you're in front of someone that you can fight. Yeah, that's something that I think, uh, I mean, it's definitely a sign of its age um, and of its time, but I, I definitely think that a lot of these things could have been context-based, like... No one's going to want to fight a treasure chest. You're going to want to open it. Uh, most people aren't going to try and fight a townsperson. They're probably going to want to talk to them. Uh, and I feel like every other like lesser um, lesser action could have been put in those menus. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely just a sign of like of this very uh, th- this very early realm of RPG gaming. Um, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, and just the fact that it's port, you know, it's because of the 
they're trying to, they're like, okay, we have all these commands that you do on the keyboard. Well, let's just put them all on a menu. And they like, don't think more about it as to like, well, can we, can we go even further and, and make it context? Can we streamline this? Yeah. But although I guess now thinking of that, they probably could have streamlined it even on the keyboard version and made it like, yeah, you're talking to this person because he's a person you would talk to. <laughs> and that's, that's one thing I struggle with when I think about how to talk about this game is who's it really for here? You know, um, it's not for the usual NES audience. And so I, I kind of say, like, how much of this is, you know, programming code that they don't want to change and they don't want to work with. So, yes, you can fight the treasure chest and you can choose to talk to nothing and they'll tell you no one's there, right? Like, we, we don't need those things. But how much of that is programming changes that they don't want to make? And how much of it is, like, the freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do, you know, that, that like the fight is a command and, a, and an active choice that you make rather than uh, running into a battle or like pressing the A button to talk. It's like, no, you choose to talk to that person because you can also choose to fight every townsperson if you want. True. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like I think, I think like there's a decision here and that's a whole nother like conversation that we'll have later on about, you know, did they, did they make this game for the right audience? Uh, but but here and and just to start things off, I'd argue that they're making this game so obtuse on purpose. As weird as that sounds, like they're they're giving you a lot of control and a lot of things that don't necessarily matter on purpose to show you how much this is your story and your world. True. Um, one thing I'll say just to sort of um, clarify my opinion, I think you should still be able to fight whoever the hell you want. But maybe, like, if you just press, like, the B button or the A button on the field, it'll talk. And then you can go into the menu and choose to fight if you want. Just to, like, make that a little bit easier. But, no, I, I do totally get what you're saying there. That this is about your story and every action should be your own. Um, yeah, it's a- yeah. It's like a quality of life versus like full immersion. You know, it's like they, they got to find that balance of like, well, it's just easier to do this because you'll probably mostly want to just talk to townspeople. But it's more immersive if you know, like, I could fight these townspeople if I want and get attacked by the guards and, you know, that whole thing. But Joe, can you think of an, an example? And this is tough because uh, the game is so massive. But can you think of an example where they chose quality of life over the harder option? No. I mean, yeah, that that's you're right. I mean, I. Uh, I agree. I think that like a lot of this, a lot of this game could use some quality of, of life improvements, but it's just like a, it's an early, an early example of its kind, you know.
Alright, so let's get into a little bit of the meat and potatoes here, alright? Uh, you know, this is a game where you make a team of four across different races and different jobs. You're traversing their world. You complete quests to collect key items to try to take down this thing known as Exodus. Um, and your characters grow all the while. Um, they level up. And leveling up works a little different than in usual games, but most of the RPG tropes are there, so we're not going to explain everything here. I want to hear the teams that were created because there's so many choices here. You choose your t- uh, your job and your race right off the bat, and then you're like stuck with that character. There are some pre-made ones, but I'm just curious to hear everybody's loadouts. So, Sean, let's start with you. What was your team? Uh, so. Uh, my team, uh, I didn't read any like any stuff that was just like, here's the min-max team. So my team was uh, Chaz the Fighter, Human Fighter. Um, he was based off of a D&D character I once played. Um, then there's uh, Siln, the Elf Cleric, who was another character that I played with at one point. Uh, Rag. I'm sorry, Rags the Dwarf something or other. I don't remember what he was. He he was a he was a tank though. Um and uh oh man, I forgot my wizard's name, but I had a fuzzy wizard uh oh named Marty. His name was Marty. Uh what a name to forget. Like what? Yeah. Party <laughs> Marty. That was going to be something complicated like no, wizardisk, no. but No, but um yeah, and I actually I saw that there were a bunch of other like slots to make more characters and i was just like i want to kind of just make these four um they weren't the most optimized but they were they were my guys and if if you could amuse us for a little bit here you don't have to take us on your journey or explain story points to anybody here but what did you think about your team synergy you know like did did the wizard do all of the like damage on the battlefield who was your ace So I always, I mean, so a lot of this comes down to what I think of the battle system, which we'll get into later, obviously, but uh, it ended up being in the early game, at least, that it's just the cleric and the wizard that are are really going to carry you for a while, um, because magic is just better, Um, and if you have, like, a full magic team, you're going to do really well in this game, but I was trying to go with, like, a more classic... D&D fantasy lineup um, and so it was really just two guys carrying us for a bit until later when uh, uh, some of those classes sort of come into their own okay I like that I like that and just vague enough to let us uh, explore more later Joe your team so I'm going to try and remember exactly what their uh, what their races were I, I don't remember exactly but uh, and also I'll say that I did I pretty much filled up every slot on that I spent a lot of time on the character customization, and I switched out a little bit until I landed on the party I, I finally used in the end. So the party I finally used in the end was a human ranger, um, a, a cleric, which I believe was a bobbit, mm-hmm. a, no, a um, an, an alchemist, which I think was, oh shit, I think was probably a fuzzy. Which is such a stupid how name. Was the, how was the alchemist? You the know, alchemist I, I was like the one that I was interested in, but I didn't play with. I liked him a lot at first. 
Uh, because I, cause at first I didn't really have anyone that was, that was kind of fulfilling the, what I apparently, I read a lot of guides too. So I was, I was trying to come up with like a really balanced team based on that. So I had so many that I kept making and switching out because there's actually like, as much as I was reading different guides, there's not a lot of like variety of information on this game online. So, so I switched out a lot, but the alchemist, I, I had started with a wizard, but then I was like, I don't really have a good thief. That apparently, like, I, I, you know, I was realizing I needed more and more to open chests and to avoid traps to have, like, high dexterity. So I switched to the alchemist because he also has high dexterity and, like, kind of fits the build of, like, a wizard and a thief. Um, but later in the game, I was really missing the wizard. I, I, I wished that I had the wizard by the end. Um, but it, he was good for most of the game when I was just grinding and stuff. Um, and then my, my final uh, person was a lark. Which I believe was I don't remember the race of the lark. Probably something that had high strength or high uh, intelligence. I can't remember though. Yeah. So you switched the wizard out for the lark. I switched. I switched the lizard out. The lizard. I switched the wizard out for the um, alchemist. Got it. Got it. Um, but yeah, I, I had other parties throughout, and you know, I I used one for a while, and then switched to a totally new party, and we'll probably get into that later, but. It's like an adventure by committee. Yes, exactly. And I really did have the whole thing filled out. And I was like, I'll pick these couple people now. And I'll pick those couple <laughs> people. Um, and I and I sort of used one party to to kind of exploit the game, which which was another little strategy I read about, which I think made the game yep. much more enjoyable than it would have been <laughs> if I didn't. Sure thing. <laughs> All right. And then as for me, uh, Joe, I'm right with you. I chose the human ranger. I, I think the ranger was uh, the most fun I had because it's the all-around character. You know, there's some spells. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, ranged attacks. Um, there's just there's just a lot of practical use in combat for the ranger. And, um, you know, I think mixing... Close combat with ranged combat in a game like this, as, as obvious as that might sound, it just also makes for a more enjoyable playthrough rather than having to approach all your enemies and get real close to them and, and keep attacking and them, them attacking you. I liked, I liked keeping my distances from afar. Uh, so I had the human ranger, an elf thief. Um, I wasn't going to go thief, um, but apparently... Uh, the thief is like pretty necessary, as Joe was describing for the alchemist. Like pretty necessary in terms of dexterity and for unlocking treasure chests and stuff like that. Still waiting for a name for these guys. Oh, sorry. Um, I think for personal disclosure, I can't disclose the names because I use real people's <laughs> names, and they'll, you know, they'll. I always do this in RPGs. I always <laughs> name them after real people. So I don't want to name anybody, you know. Wow. Okay. Uh, still remember when I still remember when the character named after me in Final Fantasy two just left on like the first the first scene of the game very and then turned out scene. to be the bad yeah. guy and then I was not even in the party. I know. People for the take whole game. it personally. <laughs> People take it personally. Um I had an elf lark and a fuzzy wizard, which I feel comfortable disclosing. Uh I named the wizard after our audio producer Chris. So um he he is uh he's a known wizard in the D&D <laughs> world, so I figured, why not bring him into my game? And to be honest, like, I love the wizard in this game. I, lo- I probably love just magic casters in general in RPGs. So if you notice, uh, between the ranger, the lark, and the wizard, I had a good time um, with spells and stuff like that. But also, the, the thief was really useful for um, acquiring 
necessary gold and weapons and stuff that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get. So it's um, really I didn't, even though I kept, yeah, I kept the thief out of um, out of combat for the most part because uh, close combat with the thief was kind of you know you're like you're like praying that he doesn't take that much damage. <laughs> and uh, I think you can just equip him with a bunch of daggers and just have him keep throwing those, and then he's kind of arranged. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that would be very expensive. That'd be a very expensive decision to go through. So I just kind of had the wizard and the ranger take care of everything on the battlefield, and it seemed to work really well for me. It's interesting that you that you created a thief because uh, both for both of you because um, when I was pouring through those guides and like you know let's plays to kind of get a handle on things, uh, it was shown to me that I, I can't remember if it's a, a cleric or a wizard spell, but there is an open spell. You don't really yeah. need the. the I, I use the open spell almost every time um, I opened anything. I, I didn't make a, a thief. I made a. I made a alchemist. Oh yeah, he would at least help me avoid traps in dungeons. Absolutely. All right. But I, 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 I pretty quickly was like, okay, I don't need to ever open anything outside of using the open spell. And I was just not never playing. Uh, with anybody else, I wasn't doing Joe's cheating route. Where not, not that he was cheating, but he was cheating well, on you his characters. It cheating. Yeah, no, no, no he was cheating, cheating oh, on his cheating. characters. Wait, what was I cheating? I was cheating. I mean, the exploit you're, was cheating, but create, you're supposed no. to create a bunch of characters. And I, I know, know what you're I'm saying. saying Mike. I know what you're saying. Y- yes, Mike. Okay, I'm, I'm attacking Sean. I just, I just can't do that. You know, like whether it's whether it's uh, Final Fantasy XII, where you have a very large party, or Ultima Exodus, or even Pokemon. Like the the six Pokemon I get, that's the game. Okay, they're not getting swapped out. That's you know I can't throw them sure. in a computer jail. Yeah. I, I do so, once in a while. I like to play a Pokemon where I like. All right, I've got I get where I play with twelve Pokemon and I swap out when I when I want. Um, I don't know. It just I yeah. actually like to play with teams of three, but that's a whole other episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, one. <laughs> the 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 I think the point here, even though Sean is right, my my strategy probably was like the least optimal. I, I just chose who I liked. The idea that. We can each have very different teams and go out there on an adventure and have varying degrees of success as well is a really cool feature in this game uh, that there's so many jobs and so many races. And yeah, like the races are only useful for like stat boosts, I think. Uh, some are like more yeah, optimal there's no for other characters. use of that information in yeah. the game. So it's like that's not too cool, but it's, you know, it's like enough permutations to make an equation where everybody picks something differently and that's exciting yeah for for replayability though too like it's I, also I, good I for it. the theater of the mind like you know when you're imagining what's actually happening here like that's your that that's your fuzzy guy you know i don't know what a fuzzy <laughs> looks like but he's a fuzzy <laughs> yeah, and he it, doesn't it look just like looks those guys... like a regular guy or girl i can't remember <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't look like the thing from uh, Super Mario World. Those black guys that um, ruin your day, and they are on strings. Are they you guys have fuzzies? no idea what I'm talking about. Huh? Yeah, I think they're called fuzzies. Yeah, World was not my game. It's okay. No, I don't know how. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's just a couple like. I've never heard anybody. It. I've just never heard anybody say World's not their game. I love God. Uh, I love Super World. Mario Three was my game. That was. That I was know. I I just like World is everybody's game. Trust me, it's the game for the world. <laughs> hmm, anyway.
let's talk about combat. Let's talk about combat because I feel like even if you talk about exploration or adventure or questing, sooner or later somebody's going to bring up combat anyway. So let's just let's just talk about this. It's different in the sense of it takes a whole new meaning to turn-based gameplay here because your combat is actually sort of like an SRPG where everybody moves one at a time and you decide what they're going to do individually and then the opponents go and so there's this map with all the all of your characters all of their characters and terrain and you have to kind of figure out what's the best way to approach the situation given the number of enemies the location the types of enemies your party there's a lot of information on every single combat screen this is not just choose your attack and then an you know an rng generator to figure out if it lands or not uh that still happens but there's this whole where you are on the board and yeah, the where everybody movement. else is uh real quick can you uh define srpg um i'm thinking like strategy, strategy. RPGs. oh okay so, okay yeah like I, fire emblem gotcha yeah so i was yeah i was definitely seeing it as like a cross between a standard um like three on three just press attack or spells or whatever rpg and like a tactical uh a tactical game um but i i do have a lot of complaints here um and that 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 starts with that whole moving thing um where your turn is either you move or you use an item or you attack um it's uh it's it's just one or the other. You like I think in any other like if in tabletop RPGs you can move and then you can do a thing. It was never just one or the other, and that really makes these drag. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to elaborate on on your feelings there. I, I mean, I I I felt the same way. I mean, they definitely I hadn't really thought of them adding move and attack into like one turn. I think that's definitely like a plus. I don't have any any argument against that. But I, you know, I was initially like the same way. I was like, okay, this sucks. Like having to, it's taking so long to get close to anyone and, and whatever. But, um, but as I kind of started to, to look at it that way and like plan around that, it did get sort of fun kind of like planning. Okay. Like, well, I, I want my character to end up this close to that enemy and I want this other character that's healing everyone to stay back. And I want this person to be, who's a ranged attacker to be, you know, on, at the same plane as like this enemy so we can attack like at the same time all the while staying out of like there are spaces because of the way it works there are spaces where where sometimes you might be able to get hit by two enemies and not be able to hit either of them so you're going to stay out of these like yeah. spaces that are diagonal to an enemy because basically they can attack diagonally and you can't which i thought was bad at first too until i realized well it does kind of make you think i mean it's, it's kind of a weird way to do it because it doesn't really like it doesn't really equal anything in the real world. Like, why why can't you attack diagonally? I kind of saw it was like an anti-exploit uh, sort of thing, so that you couldn't just like kite people throughout like around the entire map. But go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I guess that that uh, that would make sense too. But but you know, I I think that eventually I started to look at those things as like stuff to build strategies around. I don't know if that's like a perfectly like sustainable way to make an interesting strategy game, but at least for a while it was like, okay, this is a new way of thinking of things and, and you know, it kept me engaged. The obvious answer for me is exactly what Sean said. I have it here in my show notes that movement and attack need to be like one thing. And I, I, I'm sure that that would also cause problems if you think about like that the other team also gets to move and attack. But it sounds like every other um, 
you know, strategy RPG has figured out how to deal with that. So I don't think Ultima Exodus would run into this problem. However, you can also have what Joe's having, you know, like this idea of of a very intense combat system where like you enter a battle and it's like you have to think about it's like a chessboard, you know, even though it's not a perfect eight by eight grid and every and there's a role for a different person. You are in a battle where you have to think about where you are, what you're going to do next. And being limited to like one thing that you can do is an interesting idea because you can either choose to retreat, advance attack cast a spell use an item like the one-off thing is pretty interesting because technically you have four one-off things to do granted um you know some people are going to be more useful than others depending on the situation the bigger problem for me is that the payoff of these battles both in the amount of time they take and the reward is far too low it is it is frustrating immediately, too. It's not even something that you recognize after a few battles or after an hour of gameplay. It's something you realize immediately after the first battle where you're like, I just gave, like, five to six minutes to that battle. Uh, let's just pretend, like, you know, because it's the first time you <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing. You know, like, you're just figuring out the game. You're like, this took me a really long time, and the reward was a treasure chest that basically contains something random. Hopefully a good amount of gold because you really need gold and in probably this game. a trap of some kind <laughs> right but it could be a trap too uh which is no good but like the fact that that's the payoff immediately for me was like red flags everywhere that this game is going to be a grind and i'm going to have to try to figure something out here yeah to make this combat more uh enjoyable for myself because if if the payoff is this low i'm going to be doing these six minute you know i would say like even on the even on the low end you're still looking at a a two and a half minute battle right like if you if you don't use like um the undead spell yeah that's what i was gonna say like it's it's really hard not to do that because right it costs you literally nothing and it ends this it ends the entire situation the only reason not to do that is to give a tiny bit of experience to somebody that can't end the battle immediately and that it's, I, I think that's just completely unbalanced and it makes it harder to enjoy the game because you end up having to grind for these other characters that don't have the insta win button. Um, and I, I don't know that that was just the I started getting frustrated within the first five battles because of that. Yeah, it, it totally completely negates anything that was like good or strategy uh driven about about those early battles or those like low level battles where it's like well yeah they, especially when you start to grind you're just you, i mean i had of my four characters uh they all had in like uh either undead or whatever the other one is that that will kill repel repel which kills living living creatures like basically in one hit or it kills a bunch of them in one hit and they, i had yeah. them all equipped you know, it's where, you know, one of them had both and then like two of them had undead and one of them had repel or the other way around. But, um, and like that, that is the bulk of the grinding in this game. If you want to like, if you want to get to like a decent level to beat it in the end, which, which really sucks. Cause I do think that they, when you, when you have a battle against like a higher level enemy and it is like, you do have to be a little more cerebral about it and think about it yeah. and, and think about yeah, where you're going to position yourself and where you're going to how your characters are going to support each other. It's actually pretty in depth and there's a lot of options and a lot of ways to go about the battles. But 
it just it's just if you were to do it that way every time it would get really really tedious really fast and it, it, there's just an unbalance in it with these low level spells that like you said don't cost anything that will just pretty much wipe out the whole the whole field and then there's the whole idea though of what you're trying to do with the game right so i could understand from a review standpoint for the three of us right like okay this undead spell seems pretty good and i can gain experience pretty fast so i can keep playing because this is what i want to do for the podcast is like play on and see what else the game has to offer but that's not a very rewarding experience and to joe's point like it is more rewarding to find out what you can do with a full team and like get in these unique situations where it's like you know everybody kind of working in tandem with each other and undead doesn't always work, right? Like, there are enemies. That, sure, it fails sometimes. You know, that, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, that, like, won't be able to be dealt with in that way. So, early in the early game, like, undead is the op spell, and it's really hard not to use it. But, like, it's also just a problem in terms of what you're trying to get out of the game. Like, I'm sure some people will be fine to just experience the, the story and adventure and not care so much about the combat... I just can't help but feel like it's a missed opportunity where they built a really cool combat system where anything can happen, and now, like, 90% of that does not matter. Yeah. Well, and also, to be honest, if, if you are a person that just wants the story and the adventure, I think you're going to have a bad time, too, because yeah. so much of this game is stuff you have to do that's not related to the story of the adventure, which is, like, hours of grinding. Yeah. Like, th- that, I feel like that's the person that's going to be bothered the also, most Also, I just want to state that there, that there's barely story like yeah, just read the it's, manual it's, it's, it's there's exploration the other thing that you would want to do right. is explore and find cool things um but the story is the manual and a couple conversations with uh lord british and a time lord so <laughs> uh you're either fighting in this grid where in the early game it just sort of there's a it's a one-trick pony uh, or you're going through mazes and stuff like that. And there's also like a surprisingly low amount of unique enemies in this game. Like, it depends on your level where new enemies start to appear. But I was kind of surprised to see in a world this big that there was maybe less than 25 enemies total in the game. Yeah. Um, of types, of types of enemies. Yeah, yeah. I, I do appreciate that... Like, it's not just a random grab bag whenever. Like, they do keep you to low levels when you're low leveled. And then, depending on your location, like, you'll find certain enemies in, like, dungeons that are different than the ones you'll find on the overworld. that are different from the ones that you'll find in uh, uh, the water. Um, But, yeah, it is interesting that there were so few. Yeah, I I think a good good thing that would have made a lot of the grinding and the, the very few types of enemies and all that more forgivable would have been like a few decent boss battles and it wouldn't even have to be like one big boss it could be like a, a battle of like a bunch of things that is treated like a boss battle you know it's like a bunch of different enemies but that's significantly harder that you have to really prepare for and really think through on how you're going to beat because otherwise it never got too challenging if you were like just prepared for the most right. part i mean and until that's why i'm saying Go ahead. That Joe, that should just be the game, though. You're right. Like, these boss battles of different varieties of enemies, right? Like, that should have been the game less about the grind. Uh, I understand that that would completely rewrite how this game is made and the me- the mechanics behind it because I, you know, 
At the end of the day, you fight to get gold, to buy new weapons, to, you know, go explore new places. Like, there, there is a loop there, but it's also, like, how you decide to spend your money and do your things. But I feel like that's what I was arguing for in the beginning, was that combat should be a thing where, like, when you're in there, this battle counts for something. Like, it matters, and there's a lot on the line. Not just, like, here's six skeletons, you know, fight them the cheesy way or fight them the real way. Payoff's the same to me. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that there's going to be a lot of trash mobs in an RPG. um, And that there's, like, especially in a game that has random battles. um, uh, But, I, I yeah, I think that even if it wasn't going to be make every battle count, count, it would be make every battle a little different or a little more interesting. Um, and I th- some of that goes back to like maybe if there was if your dexterity also changed the amount of times you could move in a in a battle or something along those lines. Uh, it could also just be that like the enemies do different things. Like I know that there's. In the, in the later game, you get enemies that can do ranged attacks, um, uh, but there really isn't any core difference in the way that they operate. Every enemy is just a an HP sponge that has a couple different attacks. And I think that if they just added some variety to how they operate, battles could have been a bit more of a thing to look forward to than as something to just grind through. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm of like I feel like a a rare opinion where like sometimes I can enjoy grinding, you know. I, sometimes I sometimes depend if it's done right. I think that there's like a satisfaction that you get out of some of those things. I mean, this game didn't do it right, but um, I can enjoy I'm grinding to... when I when I enjoy the battle system. Right, that that becomes an optimization game. Right. I mean, I'm I'm thinking right. I mean, this isn't a great example because it's an action RPG. But I'm thinking when I played Kingdom Hearts two. I just really enjoyed like leveling. For some reason, there was a period of time. There was one playthrough where I just got really into like, oh, I just want to. I just want to feel that experience of like getting the experience points, getting the level up, seeing what I get next, and like feeling that payoff. Um, like I, I think that that there's like a level of, of satisfaction to that. Which I mean, you know, I, I felt that a little bit sometimes at the beginning when I was playing this game. Like, oh, I'm getting so much stronger or whatever. But then like it gets really old really fast because it's it's just not there's not enough to it. Well, let's talk about the gold system here because I think that's what works in tandem with the combat system to make for this experience that we're all dreading as as we're talking about it here. The the gold that you get at the start of the game isn't even enough to equip a party of four. You know, I think you're lucky to be able to buy one and a half weapons, right? Something with along the gold those that lines, they... yeah. Yeah. So really it's like, for me, it was like, okay, give my ranger... Um, an actual, like, ranged weapon, so this way we can, you know, um, like, use him properly. But then also, the uh, the gold that you get from the combat is part of that grind, right? So ultimately, you're not gaining uh, a tremendous amount of experience points and getting stronger and getting that good feedback look- loop of, like, I should beat up skeletons because the more skeletons I beat up, the stronger I get. Instead, it's like, I should beat up skeletons to get a chance to get gold so that if after uh, X amount of time, I'll collect enough gold to then buy one new weapon or one new piece of armor for my for for one of my characters. Yeah, the it's also sort of like a um, a quirk of the way that this game does leveling. Uh, there's a lot like uh, I can't 
really, I can't really think of how to describe the um, the relationship between your level and your equipment. But it seems at least in the early game, your equipment counts a lot more uh, towards how you're going to perform than your level. Um, and then I, that kind of switches around in the later game. Um, but it, it, it is sort of counterintuitive at times like that. Like you're, you're fighting for different reasons than you would otherwise think if you have like a history in RPGs, if that's sort of what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it usually you're, you're fighting for, you know, storyline progression yeah, right, to yeah, get to exactly. the next, to get to the next town or whatever, or you're fighting because, you know, you want to level up and unlock this new skill or this, um, or, you know, up your attack stat or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't happen here. Um, you know, even for like the first five level ups, I don't know how true it is for the rest of the game. I'll admit that I did not get to the end of the game. Um, when you level up with Lord British, when you talk to him and he offers you the level up, as far as I know, you only level up your health. Yeah, like it your is health just your goes health. up a hundred health points. It's like, that's even like, a shitty reward system. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I finally did all this and now I just get a hundred extra HP. I was doing fine. Just killing these guys with the normal amount of HP. It's my attack stat. I want to boost it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and the, the thing that makes that difficult is you level up and yeah, you get a hundred extra AP or HP, but then all the other enemies like on the overworld get stronger, like stronger enemies appear rather. Yeah. So like yes. oh I got more HP but now I'm fighting like really hard battles and I haven't gotten any stronger and my my wisdom and intelligence and dexterity haven't gotten any higher so like you gotta you gotta like first of all understand that going into it which it doesn't make clear maybe it does in the manual I, I don't know but, it doesn't but, it's very counterintuitive okay, yeah. so so then you have to understand that going into it and then like prepare for that so like by the time you level up you have all the things you need to be able to take on these new threats that are going to be in like the main for, you know the, Right outside of the castle that you start the game in, suddenly there will be, like, end-game level threats, you know? Yeah. And that's my point, though, right? Is, like, how much of your first few hours with this game were just spent in the field right outside of the main town just grinding for, for something? You know, you're not quite sure what you're doing yet. And you might want to explore a little bit, but you're not really ready to explore until you're a little more decked out with equipment. So it's like this you know is this the game like i just roam around this field and wait for skeletons to appear <laughs> and, and that's sort of uh if we're just gonna go into more like game experience now that's sort of how i played it in the beginning because i i tell myself this for the larger games of just like i'm gonna read the manual uh, but i'm not gonna look up walkthroughs quite yet and i'll see if like i can just get a handle on this so, but that was how I played this game for the first few hours of just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to walk around. I guess I'll check out this forest. I found this cool town in a forest. Uh, and But I didn't know where I was supposed to go. I, I'm getting these like one-sentence clues from some townspeople. It's like, okay, at some point I'm going to have to like go to Ambrosia, whatever that means. Um, but it was just like this kind of game. If you don't have, I know that there was like a strategy guide released around the time that this game was released. If you don't have that, this is going to take you a very long time. And I and the the grinding is just supposed to be like what you do, uh, incidentally, of not exactly knowing where to go. Um, and then when I was just like, okay, I'm I'm not playing 
this for 80 hours. Um, that's when I went to a walkthrough and was like, okay, then go here and then do this. Um, so that that's sort of where I was coming from there. Yeah, I started out, um, you know, I started out just for the just for the heck of uh, to kind of jumping in blind. I started out doing a similar thing where I just like, explored for a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to definitely at least need to give this the same treatment I gave Zelda 2, where I kind of would like kind of skim through the walkthrough and then go like, okay, I'm, I got to go to Ambrosia or I got to go, you know, get my dexterity up or I got to go to Dawn. But it was like, okay, I learned what I have to do. Now I'll go do it without looking at the walkthrough. And I did that a little bit, but, but eventually in this, it, it, it does turn into, okay, I'm going to play this alongside the walkthrough. Like I have to kind of go one for one what's in the walkthrough or I'll never figure out what to do. Because like, like you yeah. mentioned, Sean, that somebody mentions Ambrosia in a town. Yes. The only way to get to Ambrosia is to first level up to, yeah. like, at least level five, fight pirate pirates ship. in the pirate ship, yeah. steal their pirate ship, which I didn't know that's how you would do it, but I actually do think that's kind of a cool way. That's of, really, like, really There cool. doesn't need to be a clue. I, like, yeah. You can just figure that out. Like, oh, maybe I can just steal the enemy pirate's pirate ship. So <sighs> steal their ship and then sail to a whirlpool and go into the whirlpool, and that takes you to Ambrosia. So, like, uh, an NPC saying you should go to Ambrosia is not really enough of a clue if I don't have any clue that if Ambrosia is a city or a place or a whirlpool in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> like, it, it needs to give me something to be like, oh, the, you should check out the whirlpool or something, even if it's more, you know, even but, if it's a less but, obvious yeah. clue than that. But, like, give me something that I can get there without looking it up. But, like, yeah, it's, it's true, it. though. Like, after enough time... And you do get to level five just by, you know, mindlessly going around fighting things at, for hours and hours. You'll probably come across a pirate ship and it'll probably occur to you to try and steal it. And then you will probably uh, investigate what that whirlpool sprite thing is. And you touch it and you end up there. So, like, and that seems like a really cool uh, sense of like a discovery, like when you finally get to these points, like discovering that you can commandeer this ship and discovering that this whirlpool takes you to this other, this other land. Um, those are really cool feelings, but they just seem to be like, I, they just buried by so much like fighting goblins and fighting orcs. And, uh, in this, what we've kind of come to the conclusion of being a, uh, a divisive combat system. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it needed to happen more frequently. It needed to be a, like, that is a really cool moment, like you mentioned, Sean, and I'd be impressed even if that happened, right? Like, that sequence of events. You you steal the pirate ship, you go down the whirlpool, and now you're like, I'm in a whole new world. Like, this is crazy, right? Yeah. But then you get stuck in the, in the original <laughs> loop again. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, how much longer now before <laughs> the next cool set piece? Yeah. I can't be, I can't be investing hours of my life into something that essentially boils down to like you know um i don't want to say cutscenes, right because they're not they're they're things that you're in control of but at the end of the day they really are just these set pieces that any modern game would also have for you we would have at your disposal so like yeah that was probably a really cool thing to experience in 1989 but i don't know if it was a really cool thing in 1989 after grinding for hours <laughs> To get to the point where you steal a pirate ship. Yeah. Yeah. And this might be a little bit of like a of a crude explanation of this. And, and maybe it, it's a little harsh. But I, but I was going to say, like, if you really take... If you take out the grinding 
and you take out like okay yeah, there's there's the grinding there's the overworld map there's the dungeons and like those three things kind of all are the same at once you if you've if you fought one low level enemy you you fought them all if you've gone into one dungeon like yeah they're different layouts or whatever but like the dungeons are the dungeons and then that's like 80% of the game the other things the unique things like the outside of those like main gameplay loop parts i mean are there like are there like eight other things in this game that aren't the main like like they're just spaced out by this giant amount of filler and there's like eight or ten little like unique things I, like, yeah, am I exaggerating that there? Right? I, no, no, no. I'd say the the game is eighty percent these battles, and like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna consider the the dungeons to be on the same level of sort of ob- obtrusiveness. No, uh, you're right. Yeah, because um, that is still like it, it's a it's a new way to play the game, which we'll get to. Um, but uh, no, I, I I agree with you. Like most of this game is filler, but like that's sort of what adventuring is. Like the adventure games are to to do this loop and and to try and go to new places via the these sort of smaller sub games. But but yeah. is the story they're telling here about like you know steal the pirate ship, go to Ambrosia, get the mark of the kings, and uh, everybody gets the mystic sword talk to the time lord right is that is is that the be all end all of storytelling like this isn't a storytelling game i'm never i think i, <laughs> if I think you're I, just <laughs> sorry i i think i see your point though because like that's kind of what i'm getting at too not the story but it's like there's your your adventure is actually there's very few things you need to do on the, this adventure there's, you have like you have like five or six or, or maybe maybe eight or nine tasks and those tasks, yes. each individually, will take you 20 minutes. But this game will take you 80 hours. Because getting from one task to another and, and leveling up and getting the stuff that you need is just so heavily reliant on the filler. You know, I, I'm not even against, like, random battles, which is not exactly what this game has. But, like, random encounters that people get, like, very annoyed with. I don't hate those if it, like, if it... If it's fun. If it does its job of making a dungeon feel precarious and making you kind of frustrated in like a way where it's like you feel really relieved when you're out of the dungeon, but they yeah they overdid it. <laughs> we'll put it that way. It's the way in which it makes you feel relieved to get out of the dungeon, <laughs> right? I could imagine a, a platformer that has these same kind of story elements, right? You know, like you're, it's a ship level and you're, you know, like don't fall into the water pits. And then it's the ambrosia level and it's like, oh, it's all weird and different than looking in the pirate ship level. And then you finally get the mystic sword and now that's like a, a weapon that you can use to attack other than jumping. 
I, I could see those things happening in other games. I'm just saying, like, is the end vehicle here of an RPG doing anything other than making this game incredibly tedious at this point? Like, the, the, don't get me wrong. The game has a lot of interesting stuff going on in it, and and... You know, certainly introducing players to to ideas that can't be explored in a platformer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm Can saying, I... at the end of the day, is this actually the the worthwhile experience payoff that you're looking for in an RPG? Uh, Mike, while we're on that point, uh, can I just can I read you something from uh, Game FAQs? Yeah. All right. So, like, just in the thing of just like, what do we what do we want from an RPG? Like, what even is an RPG? Um, I'm going to read you a review or uh, an excerpt of a review from Ultima Exodus uh, written by SF Styles in 2010. Um, he says, uh, while story is important for an RPG, you can always get a good story from a book or movie. To me, the number one point of a good RPG game is to build your characters into powerful things and then have ways to enjoy it. And it's it sounds to me that like all this guy wants is like he doesn't care about the context behind why you have a character getting powerful, just that like you have like that is just the system. Like you are getting powerful by grinding and uh and fighting and there's no end goal. It's just the act of of building this character. And well, it I, sounds like he has a god complex. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I think it's just like people play RPGs for different reasons, and we play them for I guess a more broad reason of like we 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 like the we we like the act of building characters, but we also like to have a reason why to build a character. And like what their place is in this world that they're like you're they're in, whereas I he could just be in a dungeon, never ending dungeon, and probably enjoy it. And I think that that's just the way people like people enjoy games in different ways. I guess. Yeah, I mean, sure. Most most video games don't make any sense at all when you consider how psychopathic the characters must be to murder that many people <laughs> in a video game, right? Yeah. Like. I'm sure this has been talked about at length, but Nathan Drake is just not a good guy. Like, he's killed thousands of people across his adventure, you know? The well, guy they're is shooting at probably, him. Probably, what's that? They're shooting at him, you know? He's, uh, I, I, when I, know, I play Uncharted, still, like, I always wait until they shoot first, and then I attack. Every game is like that, though, right? It's like, they're, they're just like, they're cold-blooded killers in all these games, and then you're supposed to believe that they're the good guys. Like, I, I agree that, that the, the character building is a big part of it. I would also just argue, though, that for me, Ultima Exodus, as as I mentioned earlier, the payoff between moments is not that good, and the optimization can just happen early on through exploits. There is a way to play this game by forcing yourself not to take advantage of those exploits and say, I'm going to learn the system the way the game was designed, and I'm going to be the best at playing that kind of Ultima Exodus. And you can do that with your time. You are more than welcome to do that for a good portion of your life. But I don't think that, um, for me, the the trade-off of like hours that I have available to me in my lifespan and Ultima Exodus, we're, we're hitting a balance. 
Yeah, so, and, and I I hear what 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 your what your guy is saying there, Sean. I not do. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> your, your reference is saying that's there. your ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah, but I um, uh, yeah, I just don't think that Ultimate Exodus has all of the elements in place to like really scratch that itch. You know, because well, even thing, so, though. it's still just it's still just doing the fights over and over again and leveling up. There's, there's not like I don't know. There's not enough of like that that really personalized character building. Once you I get agree. into like, the grind of it, I agree. But let me just say uh, to to Mike's point, saying that I, I, you were sort of likening exploitation to be the antithesis of what SF Styles is saying here. Um, that that is the wrong way to play the game in his eyes. But let me just read you what he says right before that line. <laughs> Speaking of exploiting a game system, Exodus had a great way to do so. It was what made Exodus truly shine. It was the best way to really enjoy the game. But by that by those standards, <laughs> you might as well say that the best way to enjoy a video game is to actually like load the data onto your computer and change the decimals so this way all the enemies actually die on on appearance. You know? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I That's showing the game who's boss. Like look, I'm making you powerless to my abilities. I don't know I, why he plays games, but I'm sure maybe some of our listeners uh, will agree with us of styles, but I guess we I just don't get it. Well, I mean, I do agree that it, that the exploit is the best way to play this game. I think that that speaks <laughs> to the fact that like the way you're supposed to play the game was not designed really very well. Um, nothing wrong with a game turning out to be good because of an exploit, but I, yeah, I, I don't think that. Uh, I think even with the exploit, this game we're talking. I I imagine you guys played it with the exploit as well, right? Yeah, yeah, you so, kind of have to to keep yeah. going. I, so, I definitely played the game normal, too, but you have to exploit right. it at some point to, to continue to progress. Well, I'll say that everything, at least, that I've been saying, and I do have a lot of, I did really like this game in some aspects. I have a lot of good things to say about this game, but all the negative things I'm saying about this game, I'm saying with the exploited, I only played it with the exploit. So, like, even with the exploit, like, there are a lot, there's, there's, there's a lot of challenge flaws. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but here's the thing about exploits in games. There is a way to to make a good game that has not even like an an actual exploit, but just something that's like, oh, well, this is just the game on easy mode. And it all goes back to a little game I like to call Super Mario World, all right, where the main power-up of the cape, some people will tell you that the cape is just too powerful, you can just fly over the levels and do all your things and stuff like that, and that's true. But I was also able to respect that game enough to be like, this game is fun without the cape. Like, I want to play these levels, and I want to beat them without the cape so that I can actually, like, play them as Mario because that part of the game is also fun. I would argue, as somebody who played with and without the exploit, it is not as fun to play this game the correct when way. you're actually doing the yeah the correct way. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's let's move on for a second because it seems like we're getting into a, a you know an agreement the there. So I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to yeah, leave an agreement. You know, like I think that that's good because a lot of times on this <laughs> yeah. show we just fight the whole time. I love so let's fighting. agree. Let's agree to agree. Let's Can agree you agree, agree with me? I agree. Okay, thank you. Uh, caves and dungeons. All right, let's let's talk about it. There there is a different system here. Um, it's all of a sudden a uh, first person. Uh, Dungeon 3D. crawler, yeah, 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 dungeon crawler, but like, 
you know, more like with wireframe design yeah. because there's not enough information here to really discern where you are in first person. Not that we were expecting anything amazing, but I think um, even games like the Goonies had more detail <laughs> on their like on their set building. That's true. Than, than uh, Ultima's offering here, but Ultima's also offering a much larger exploration than Goonies was offering. So I could understand that they're saying, well, here's the trade back. You know, we'll give you a crazy big dungeon. We just can't make it look as pretty. I don't know, the, man. Uh, the, okay, so the dungeons are big. I, but I huge. wouldn't. They're huge, yes. But is that, a, is that like, okay, we, we made them look less pretty so we can make them these huge megaliths that are the same everywhere. And there's a couple... There's, I mean, there's a bunch of treasure chests everywhere with the same stuff in them, and there's a couple fountains everywhere just to, like, you know, maybe trick you or uh, give you some water, uh, some water, give you some life back, and then there's going to be these random battles everywhere. Like, does it, did it need to be that big? I Well, Sean, you <laughs> fell into my trap. You <laughs> fell right into my trap of, again, another thing where um, the developers came up with this system, right? You know, of let's just make it a huge adventure game where you've got this cave that's so big that you might get lost in it and lose your save file and have to start all over again, right? <laughs> like let's let's really just like show people how hard it is to go, um, you know, trekking through the world of Ultima. And I'm kind of like, no, pass. Like I don't want to <laughs> explore your gigantic labyrinth. That could cause me to, like, soft lock my game if I'm not careful. Now, that can't actually happen, I think. No, when you I, die in the dungeon, correct me if I'm wrong, you just go you back, back to, to King Lord British, British right? Man. Yeah. 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 Lord well, British to you. Let, yeah, let me, let me Let me say something positive about the dungeons. So, we've seen this done a couple other times. What was it? Golgo 13. I feel like there were one or two others that tried to do this, like, 3D maze sort of thing. This, I think... Yes. I think this was the best iteration this is the best try because this was the first time that i remember seeing this like 3d environment and not really ever losing my bearings like i there was a maybe, compass yeah was there not a compass in other games i yeah. was trying to remember well, i don't know i think I, I, like, this is the only one that i really like saw like oh i'm facing north i get it right like, yeah uh, and i and i didn't so. get disoriented or lost in that way like okay wait did i did i come from this way did i come from that way which way am i facing now obviously just because there's a compass and that made it more fun for me to kind of try and solve the maze and try and backtrack and and figure out like where did i come from trying to like map it out in my head or, or maybe like write it on a piece of paper and like map out where i've been where i've where i've come from but is i feel like with everything this game does right it does something that kind of hurts that like positive point. And for, uh, for reasons I can't fathom, I've, we've seen other games do this also. There, most, if not all of these dungeons require you to many, many times understand that a wall is not really a wall. You'll run into a dead end or you just look to your left on the wall that you've been walking along the whole time. And at one point, it's actually a secret doorway that if you walk through it, there's no wall really there and you have to go through it. You have no idea where these secret walls are, but they're everywhere. And yeah. that makes it, um, that completely negates the fact that they made these like functioning mazes that I can get my bearings in because it still found a way to make it impossible for me to really <laughs> figure it out without just trying every possible tile. Yeah. And my, so my complaint wasn't so much that uh that it was just as disorienting 
I, I know no one was saying that. But, yeah. No, I'm not saying that you were implying that. Uh, well, I'm not saying that you were that implying that I was implying that. It's just that it was featureless. And, like, yeah, these secret walls are features, I guess. Um, but uh, if you're going to make eight levels of a maze, uh, maybe put some other interesting things in them uh, than treasure chests with gold in them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that point, too. Yeah. But, you know, Joe, you mentioned there's this... You know, for for everything that's good, there's one bad. It's like no, it's like for everything for everything that's good, there's a lot of bad. Um, and there's a, there is some good stuff in this game. I'm not trying to knock it. I, I think there is something to enjoy, and there were kind of moments where I was surprised. Uh, for instance, the first time I went into one of these dungeons, I was like, <laughs> "Wow, it's first person 3D." That's surprising. Shouldn't have been considering how hard everything was up until that point. But you know, it's more like these. Things that they that they do right are, um, you know, glimmers of light. You're like, oh, oh, maybe maybe they figured it out, and then you just remember, you know, what you're doing and how long you've been playing <laughs> and what you could have been playing instead, and <laughs> you have this issue that I've been ha- that I've been having all along. But again, with the caves, why why first person 3D? <laughs> why couldn't this be in 2D? They already. It's not like. It's not like it, it's never been done before to make 2D dungeons. Most of the NES games we play, the dungeons take place in 2D. Heck, make this side a pla- make this one a platformer. Right now, all of a sudden, you have to use. <laughs> Stop trying your, to make uh, this game a platformer, Mike. Get the zapper. I know, I know. Get the zapper. No, no, Get Rob. But but even the fact that like the dungeons are dark, right? Like, okay, makes sense again. World building and everything like that. Who's this game for? Dunge- Who's this game for? Dungeons are dark. World dungeons building. Dungeons are dark. Right, right. You know, no, because think about it. Like, there are some caves you go into again in a game like Pokemon, where it's like only certain ones require flash, and it's like, why is that? Like, why, wouldn't all the caves be dark? Um, so you know, this is interesting that all the dungeons are dark in this game. They chose to commit to it. I love it. However. It's going to require you to constantly use spells, and if you don't have the MP for it, then you have to use torches, and if you don't have that, you're just going in the dark. Um, you know, you need to constantly spam this stuff over and over and over again. Like, those things diminish. The spell is cast, and it's not like it's yeah. good until you leave the dungeon. It's done when it's done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just another thing but- where it's like... I shouldn't be able to think of this many examples of things while I'm playing a game. I should be able I, to just enjoy the game, not saying, like, why do I want this? Why do I want that? I don't consider that a negative, honestly. That that gives me a little bit of, like, the, the satisfaction of, like, okay, having to prepare. Okay, I'm going to go in this dungeon. I'm not just going to go walk to the dungeon. Like, it's, you know, I'm... I'm trying to immerse myself. So I was like, well, I better go into town and get pick up some torches and I better have some tents and I better stock up and, you know, on food, which I thought was really stupid at first. But then, like, as the time went on, I was like, well, it's a nice little break from fighting the same enemy over and over again. And it, like, gives me something to, like, <laughs> to immerse to myself. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's a little immersion. Like, it gives me a reason to care that I got to a town. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm at a town. I can go pick up the, the, the supplies I need, which are different depending on what I'm going to do next. I mean, there's not a ton of those things, but you need torches. You might want sand if you want to, if you're going to fight some high level enemies and you want to slow them down. You just got to think about like your money management in that sense too. And I actually thought that that helped the immersion a little bit. But if this is a game like Fallout New Vegas where there's like a survival mode, right? Where like, you know, you have to eat food, you have to manage everything about yourself and you, you know, you die and that's it, right? Like if, if it is a survival mode game, I'm into that because the overall like, 
game is is working for me and is fun and the idea of surviving in that world is fun i'm not at this point definitely i mean now i'm like who knows how many hours in before i've entered a dungeon i am not sold that i want to prepare and slog through all these additional dungeons i not i don't want to do that at this point in the game if you would have introduced that earlier i would have maybe taken it a little more seriously but at this point i'm exhausted I don't want to uh, to have to constantly cast spells and bring all this stuff and and figure out like okay uh, I think I, I think I already went down this corridor before uh, seven times you know I, I know this is sounding like I'm whining and I am putting on a bit of you know a character here but bear with me because I think the overall point is is that every new thing that happens in this game. I am left saying, well, why couldn't they just do thing I want instead? <laughs> and that doesn't happen with every um, every game we play. And it definitely doesn't happen with every bad game we play. Like a lot of games, I'll just admit, I'm like, these aren't for me or these are just aren't good games, you know? Like, but I don't think of like alternatives. For this game, it seems like everything that I don't like, I do have an alternative answer for. And I am not saying that so, I am better than the people who made Ultima Exit. So I course, agree... Right. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was just say. so what is your alternative answer to the torch thing? Just not having torches and just having it be lit up the whole time? I think there could be a uh, torch that, you know, when you have that torch, right? Like, it, it's at the front of the dungeon or whatever, and you bring, you know, you have that torch, and that's like, that's your, that's your party's torch. There's four of you. One person can hold the torch, and you can grab more torches throughout the cave. Like, somebody had to explore those caves before you, so there must be... You know, like, it's not, they're not really, like, caves. They are... Well, sure, yeah, they're dungeons. Know, layered like, dungeons that have, yeah. like, stuff inside them. So, clearly, people have been there. So, I I don't I don't think if, you know, if that's the answer, I would actually say I'd go back to my 2D response of, like, I don't see why these dungeons even have to be in first person. But, um, you know, I think the realism is, again, great. Like, you know, I, I've been saying that this whole this whole time of, like, who is this game really for? And the uh, the fact that they give you all these choices is undeniably a decision that they've made. They want you to feel like you're in control of everything that happens. I I guess, I guess I've just had it, you know? Yeah, I mean... I don't, like, I'm submitting the control. I'm like, I'm uh, done. So here's don't where I'm going to try and bridge the gap here. I, I agree that without these diminishing resources like food, like torches... uh not so much like MP, because all you have to do is spin around in a circle, and then you can cast light again. Um, but without that, it, it sort of makes the dungeons feel a little less harrowing. What I would say, though, is that these these specific things that you are preparing for, because preparation is a huge concept, and it's, and it's a really big part of this game... Um, it's just the way that it was executed, and like, and like, unlike Mike, I don't really know how you could go about it without just removing these features uh, that would make this feel less like a, of a claustrophobic environment. Um, but th- there just should have, I th- th- if they did it in a different way, if like it was, um, if maybe if it was just a little more forgiving, like if you did run out of torches. Um, there could be some way to find some more while you're still like lost in the dark. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it does, it, it is tedious in its current form. And I'm not, I, I, I guess I'm just not eloquent enough to, to put it in a way, uh, 
Mike just says that he's kind of done. I, I don't have anything better to say than that, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that, you know, I, I definitely don't think that this is the best and most interesting, like, types of preparation they could put in their game. But course, I but I do yeah. think that, that having it is better than, than not having it. And I actually still do sort of think that, like, there sh- it shouldn't be more forgiving. Like, if you didn't bring enough torches or don't have a spell then like yeah you you know you should you know there should be a consequence where it's like oh shit i'm oh, gonna it die definitely here, be detrimental like, yeah but um yeah you're right i actually agree with you there yeah it just yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. I, I think i for, for me it's just like the overall it's still pretty shallow i, I want more more in-depth versions of that or more to, more stuff to do that with if that's going to be like the direction the game goes but i i do think yeah, I don't know. Just taking it away, I feel like, makes it less interesting for me. But I, I guess it's just a preference right. as well. There should be there should be rats that, uh, you know, just like they <laughs> run across your feet and they give you a disease. And then it's just like you have to get back to the hospital before, you know, before. Well, that sort disease, of does happen. Uh, I mean, you open a chest you. and you get a disease and you have to get back to the hospital. I think that's funny because that happened on my very first playthrough yeah. of the game. One of my characters caught a cold. Yeah, caught a cold from the first chest. Fa- I couldn't find a fountain. So I was like, I'm dead. Like this this is I have to reset the game. I don't know where a fountain is and that's the only way to cure a cold apparently. So I think you can go to the hospital. You can go to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. You silly goose. I, I didn't go to the doctor. So um I just reset that game and didn't get a cold until later on after that. But I think that's so funny that like my first experience of this game was getting a cold and I'm like, Oh, you want you want to be more real? The rats give you the plague and you have to escape the cave before you die. Hey, I well, mean that's somebody's game. Well, something that something that is sort of on the same same page as what we're talking about is the way that your character is like your character dying is detrimental. Also, it's not like oh, I'll use a quick revive or I'll run to the Pokemon Center and you know and, and heal my party. Yeah. And and I because of how how much of a pain it was, I really really fought very hard. To not let any of my characters ever die. Like, after, like, one or two and I switched to new characters. Once I had the characters I was going to use for the rest of the it's game. very expensive. I was like, yeah, do not let the characters ever die. Always make sure they have enough food. Always heal, you know, and, and make sure that they're all, like, high levels. And, and, I, and I succeeded for most of the game. I got to the point where I had everything you needed. There's a lot of, uh, like, errands to run before you can go into the, uh, the, final, the final dungeon yeah. or the castle. Um, and I got everything I needed and I was, and I was, the last thing I was getting, there's some cards you have to get in, in Ambrosia. I was getting those. I got those final ones and two of my characters or three of my characters died because I realized I had to run out of food and I was like, oh shit, like I got to get back to <laughs> town fast before my fourth character dies. You know, so I use the, you know, you get like these heart compasses that transport you back to the main town. I use that. I get in there. I get some food real quick to give to my remaining character, but I have no money left because I just spent it all on upgrades and Ambrosia. So I have to go. This is a really long story. Sorry. But I have to go and, um, and fight. fight with my it's one remaining. I have to fight with my one remaining character as much as I can to get enough money to revive people because it costs, I think, 500 gold. Then I go to the doctor to revive. First time I've ever tried it. Fails. And he says, he says, no, it doesn't fail. He says, I'll see what I can do. And then he comes back and says, you took too long. Yeah, you looked too long. John, or no, Matt. I, they're all named after people I know too. Matt, my <laughs> archer. is like, you took too long. Matt has turned to dust. 
<laughs> and there's no reviving him. This character I just spent like 40 hours building, and, and you just can't get the, get him back. Oh, you I had can. to go to an older save. Thank God I didn't save it after he had died. The, this but then I was like, now I'm, I gotta do yeah. all this shit again. Like, that's not. I'm not speaking from experience, but I'm speaking from somebody else's experience that you have to go to some place and like you know go to a temple and they can turn them from ash back into person oh but, i didn't know that i really thought that it was like oh I, like what's the but how long? T- but that's like 900 <laughs> gold so geez and like how long does it take for them to turn to like how how long do you have to i get have to the no hospital? idea i i <laughs> that's why i see it as like the doctor failed because i think it's i, I think it's rng whether it, it works or not but maybe it's a time well, he still took my money so counter. i didn't even, I couldn't yeah. even try it again yeah, he still took your money. That's, that's like, you know, <laughs> it's medical malpractice. It's yeah, like, whatever. You still got a bill to pay. That was the most frustrating experience I had playing this game. And there were a lot of others, but that was definitely the, because I was ready to go face the final challenge. I was ready to go beat the game, I thought. I mean, I probably that wasn't. That is still a cool story, anything, though. Yeah, yeah, I got that oh. out of it. There is story Mo- to this moment game. Of cl- moment of clarity, okay? I just want to let everyone know that. Everything Joe has been talking about for a while now are, are all awesome features, and he's right to be excited about them. I'm I'm not arguing that these are, are unique features in this game and that, that they're all good and stuff like that. Uh, the argument I've been making for a while now, and I just want to make it as clear as possible, is that this game um, has lost its good faith from me. Like, I, I'm done with it. I, at this point, I can't hide it anymore that... I'm not going to have a good time. And now it's like, again, the preparation thing. If this was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and you had to prepare for a cave that, or that island, right? Where like they strip you of everything and now you're in this island and you have to just like regain everything. Like that's such a cool moment in that game. But I'm there for it because I'm there for that game. I'm not here for this game. So when it tries to do something cute and new, <laughs> cute. all of a sudden I'm just <laughs> angry. I'm just angry that it's like another new thing that I have to deal with. Like you were talking about, Joe, with the um, with party members dying. It's like that's a really deep system that they've created here of like death is somewhat permanent and who knows if you're even going to be able to get them back. And then even if you can't get them back, then you have to do Sean's method of going to a temple and reviving them. Like that could take who knows how many hours and who knows how much time. Uh, and we could debate whether it should take that many hours and that much time or if there's just like a faster way to do it that would still make the effect really cool. What I'm saying is, is like that mechanic in the scheme of this game, like this game's scope is just so large and it's, and it's offering you so much. But the problem is, is that nothing really sinks with each other in this game. There's so many things that are, are fighting me at all times to make me not want to continue to play the game that ultimately I can't enjoy the systems because they're all kind of working against you to make yeah, sure that the I, game itself is harder. I, I think, like, I, I, I kind of see what you... And you mentioned it before, too. It, it seems like the, the negative consequences of a lot of things sort of outweigh the, the positives that come out of playing the game correctly or well. Um, so that, like, for every step forward, you feel like there's two steps back. And it just... That sort of... Re, that reward... And punishment is just out of balance, right? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that too. I mean, even with the, even the, with what I was just complaining about with the with the death thing. Now knowing, yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if, if if my character was gone forever, that w- I probably would not ever really be able to like think that that was a good 
system. But now knowing that there is a way, and it seems like even more of a pain in the ass, to get him back from ashes and go there, I don't think that that's terrible if I, yeah, if I were enjoying the rest of the game enough to want to do that, you know, like, yeah. I think that would be okay if the re- if the positives were were up there with that negative, then it feels like okay, I got to go on this journey to get my characters back. It's like a whole another game now to get my characters back because like you know, is it worth it? And you know that whole thing. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't. All it does for me is make me cringe at the idea of spending like that many more hours grinding just to get the money I need to get my characters back. Yeah, like. If the if the loop was more fun, then I would I would enjoy it more. talk about management the you know the gold the food just just you know weapons and armor like how you manage your team throughout the game uh the first thing that that i had to do right away was transfer all my gold to one character because i couldn't stand Mm -hmm. having um you know when you're when you're shopping and they're like who's making the purchase and then who is it for like it's it's like just Put the first character, everybody give him all the money, and then we'll just... No, seriously, and then this way he's, like, in the front of the party, he collects the money, and then he's just, like, our our banker for the system. Yeah, that's what um, I did, too. It's, it's a little strange, though, right? It's a little strange that gold even has to be... Like, you're a party of four. Um, it's another, you know, D&D thing that they're sticking to where, like, everybody has their own gold and they can spend it how they want, but... You're all four characters in yeah. this scenario. Like you, you're not. You know, you're not playing with three other people. Who I think the proper way to play to this decide. game, the proper way to play this game, might be with the four people and hand the controller back and forth between <laughs> each of you, and you each control one character and make no, all those. That's decisions. really funny. No. <laughs> no, that's funny though because no, because that would make the combat sections even longer. It would yeah. make the whole game like it make everything so much longer because you have to. Uh, you know, it's like it's crazy that we talked about combat maybe like an hour ago now, but <laughs> we like just said that yeah, they don't let you move and they don't let you attack in the same turn, and that was like it. But I need to let the viewers know like that is frustrating. That is it's so such crazy. A huge thing. But... You like you move and then you done like that's your turn, and then God forbid like what if you uh, there's like something where you can accidentally choose. Uh, you press a button and then you no longer get the option to Oh move. yeah. If you if you like, make the wrong input, it's just like, oh that's your turn then. Like you, you right. just press yeah. the skip turn button. You and, made a mistake. Yeah. And, and if you open them if you open a menu or if one of the menus, you open the menu and you're like, Oh no, I want to back out of that menu. It's like, okay, yeah, you can back out of that menu, but you're not doing anything else. We'll move on to the next character. It's like weird. Right. Why <laughs> you you're allowing me to back out of the menu, let me have my turn still. But yes, Mike, like on the topic of, of managing resources, this game should have just had a party coin purse and a party inventory so you don't have to deal with hot swapping money and and like all this like very minute, uh, tedious stuff that really it's not necessary at all. It would, I, I'm just surprised that they put it in the game at all. Like, well, because think about it. If that character dies, then their money has gone too. 
But that's not how that would work. I you think, no, I think if you've got their, their ashes, you've got their ashes still. Yeah. I think you can take the money off of them. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, well, I, I can confirm because I had because I had two and eventually three dead characters that you can take things from dead characters. So it's there. Like even that, yeah. like risk of punishment isn't even. Like, it should have just been a party inventory system. Yeah, and there's well, nothing that that anyone can say to say that it makes sense this way. And as a right. one player game, what I think it boils down to is that the is that they they had they were creative enough to find ways to put. All of these elements from like Dungeons and Dragons into a video game, but they weren't creative enough to like recognize the things that should change from like a tabletop RPG into a one player video game. And they like left too many of those things exactly the same, like as close to the way that they would be done in like a, in like, yeah, a they're taking the next givens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. But, but, well, no. if you think about it, <laughs> right. No, it's true. If you think about it, like, that's what Final Fantasy excels at, right? It, it was also based off of Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, some of the enemies are like right from the books. So it's, it's interesting that they were able to be like, okay, well, we have to adapt this thing. Like, we, maybe they were just afraid of being sued, <laughs> but they were like, we have to, you know, figure out a way to make this a video game. I think that's a great point, Joe, is like, they decided to just, do their best translation of Dungeons and Dragons without thinking about why it why it might not work. And given that this is the third entry, I'm really interested to know like what were the what was the bare bonesness of the first and second one? Like what do what does this one feature improve? So the first I think the first two um at, like on the PCs or the computer versions of the first two um are more of like that first person like turn-based like typical of what we think of as final fantasy of that like just take turns attacking each other there's no like spatial component to battles um i think all the maybe the resource stuff is all the same i didn't play them but i was looking at some of them and the battle system at least is is much more akin to what i was expecting out of this game it's even weirder actually because then that makes then that's like they decide it was like a a new idea for them to to try and make it more like Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I mean, I guess that makes sense. They're trying to you know they're trying a new thing, but it's weird that they didn't like. I don't know. It's weird that they came up yeah. with the idea of making everything so much more one to one with Dungeons and Dragons rather than like having gotten more experience in making video games and realizing what works for video games. I mean, I still think that, like, you know, moving around in combat works. I mean, I love playing That's XCOM right, and, yeah. and Fire Emblem and stuff like that. It's just that they, they did it wrong. <laughs> so right. it's just an experimentation. I don't blame them for doing it, but it, it did hurt the product. All right, so let's get back to that thing that I keep saying, like, all right, man, you know, maybe we'll have this conversation. Let's have this conversation, okay? Who is this game for? It's <laughs> definitely not for Bobby... You know, your your seven-year-old cousin who's going to Toys R Us and he sees this game and he's like, this one, right? It's like, that's a mistake. Like, you know, should have bought Super Mario Brothers, kid. You're in for a world of hurt now. Who is this game for when it comes to the NES? Obviously, like, you know, computer gamers were uh, a breed of their own back then. So, so was this game I obtuse it, okay. on purpose? <laughs> I don't think it was obtuse on purpose. I think that Bobby could be a prospective RPG player. 
Like this is this is like what would have introduced him to this wild world of choice and consequence um, that RPGs are, or at least like Western RPGs are uh, all about. Um, I think that we see all of these faults and like all of these terrible systems. Um, but what Bobby, and I love that we've just created this, this <laughs> straw man here. Bobby just sees this, this land of up, this, this land of adventure where he can steal a pirate ship and choose who gets to hold the money and talk to the people and go to the bar and talk to the bartender. Like that, that's the experience that this kid is seeing or somebody that really enjoyed this game back then is experiencing. We have played so many RPGs that have expanded on combat and expanded on uh, choice and consequence and immersion, immersion that we are really only seeing all of these, these terrible dungeon designs and this clunky inventory system and this sort of uh, – this. Uh, uh, kneecapped battle system where I think that's just, that's just what we get for being exposed to the modern RPG. Yeah. I think, I, I think Bobby yeah. was their was their target audience. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's almost exactly what I was going to say about like it being a game for maybe they were trying to make it a game for Dungeons and Dragons fans, but I think they ended up making a game that, that was the gateway for people to like get into that kind of world that were to get into like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And yeah, I do think in 19, what, 1989, there's a different, there's a different approach to like looking at this game. And I, and I think that like the right person really enjoys this game in 1989. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I agree with that. The right person enjoys this game. I just, I'm worried that the right person wasn't really on the on the NES, and I, and I imagine that most people who favored this game played it on like an Apple II. Uh, I do like I, I like everybody's responses here because they they all check out. I think there's no wrong answer here other than saying me. I, the game is definitely not, mine. but um, but that that's also like you know that's a thing too. Um, uh, you you can enjoy systems within a game. I certainly did. Um. Even the little details in this game, right? Like the you, there's the phases of the moon included in the HUD, and it's like I I I just appreciate that being there. It's like it adds. <laughs> I, I I know that it's like not that complicated, and it just like tells you know like depending on the cycles of the moon, like magical portals open up and stuff. Yeah. But to me, that just adds a lot of mystery and intrigue. Absolutely. And and the game the game has a lot of that going for it, and that was the stuff I really I really liked about it. Um. You know, it's funny. It's like when the when you reveal like what the game is after the fact, right? So um, let's uh, let's pull the curtain here for a minute. And after I play these games, I do an extensive amount of research on these games too to make sure that we can give the listeners, um, you know, a, the correct info, but also like a substantial amount of info. And there is a difference between playing this game for five hours playing this game for 20 plus hours and then like also seeing this game via research by looking at maps and looking at uh, strategy guides and reading um, old reviews and stuff like that. It's like the idea of a game that has such a tremendous scope while at the same time um, 
disappointing on delivery. There, there's something about that that I couldn't get over as I as I continued to to play and research the game. Um, it just felt like such a missed opportunity here. I you know, think I think a, a, we're the as, kings of of being in love <laughs> with ideas that these that a lot of the games that we've been reviewing have been presenting to us and just being disappointed by the execution of them. I, I think that, yeah. that that's just sort of um, that's just games in general. Right. Yeah, I agree. That feeling of of going in the whirlpool and discovering Ambrosia after after that weird vague line, right? Mm-hmm. That's not helpful at all. You know, it's not helpful. Yeah. You have no idea what he means. But then when you get there, you're like, oh wow, this is really cool. And you don't know what could happen in that other world. Like maybe the rest of the game takes place there. You know, who yeah. knows? Um I, I like that sky's the limit thing. I hate when I actually feel limited by the game because the game is very imaginative. It does offer a lot of of unique systems and opportunities um, to experience, but then there's all these other things in this game that I don't want to do. <laughs> I, I I agree. I, I agree per, uh, with with both of these viewpoints. Let's talk magic. We we really only talked about the undead spell, which is kind of funny <laughs> because there is a whole magic system, and there's also like what kind of character you are is what kind of magic you get too. Like, uh, you know, the wizard, the cleric, um, the uh, who am I forgetting? The alchemist, the ranger have some um, paladin. Who? No. Okay, Paladin? No, I don't no, think, so. I don't think um, so. But anyway, yeah, a lot of different characters get magic, and they have different kinds of, of magic spells that they could have at their disposal. I think the wizard is the only one who has the opportunity to potentially learn everyone else's spells as well as their own. I'm not sure exactly. Wait, I thought, I thought no, the wizard no, no. only learned... Uh, only, uh, like, only black intelligence. magic. Intelligence yeah, black magic. magic. Oh really? The wizard can't learn like cleric yeah. spells, and then the nah. cleric is like the is like the the white magic version of the wizard. Got it. Okay, I don't know. I, yeah, because I didn't experience this in my game. I just read it. But um, okay, that's good to know. So that would be the difference between those two, though. White magic, black magic. Got it. So and then one's like uh, all of one's... these, like um, all of these other magic users, are just some variation of like so, some of them can do both. Some of them can can do only one. But not to the level of like those pure classes, but they have a bit more like standard attack power, um, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, the the cleric and the wizard are like the pure magic users on either. Oh end right, of those. I'm sorry, I remember now. Yes, it's magic power and willpower. That's the difference between these guys. For right? the most part, like, yeah. The, the cleric has the... But I'm saying, like, the willpower is their version of white magic in this game. I mean, they, they yeah. still draw from MP, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's yeah, there's intelligence and then uh, wisdom. Uh, I guess, like, yeah, will yeah. would be wisdom and magic would be intelligence. Yeah, and I yes. think, like... So like a wisdom based, like a cleric whose whose magic is based on wisdom. The higher your wisdom level is, the higher MP you have. But I, and but I think if you were spells to, are available to you. Yeah, yeah. But then if you were to do a wizard and give him higher intelligence, it doesn't raise your MP because doesn't he do, he works on yeah. on intelligence rather than wisdom. Yeah, wisdom on a wizard does nothing. Yeah. And what do you think of that? Is that like a waste? Is that is that like 
designed as a funny throwaway that you should know that. And if you attribute character points to the wizard, yeah, I actually had like that's just your fault. I, I mean, yeah, it is. really thought about the fact that it's a waste that like he has he has the ability to get these attributes that don't do anything for him. It's entirely uh, uh, it's yeah, it's fully brought over from like tabletop RPGs. Like if um. Uh, not so much because, like, if you have a fighter that has, like, a wisdom skill, like, they still have things that they can do with wisdom. Um, but, um, yeah, like, if you were to give a, a fighter or a barbarian any intelligence or wisdom, that is a throwaway. You're, you're, you're just dumping points because they can't use magic. <laughs> done extensive stuff on combat management dungeons exploration now it's time for uh the npcs and the towns uh you know kind of like where you find out about your questing and uh what you'll do next uh, if you're lucky enough to decipher what they mean uh you know right off the bat the only thing that and i i should just be able to get over this because it's the limitations of the of the console itself but it is kind of interesting how they l- show display the town right like they they can't show you the entire screen all at once some of the uh some of like the tiles don't generate until you get closer to them i i was uh, that was a little weird i, I think really you missed liked something that. yeah i think I, I thought that that was actually like the one of the most impressive things about this game because that's your line of sight right yeah you only the, the black tiles are just things you can't see so if you're and it, and it does it pretty accurately if you're in front of something, you know, like a doorway, you'll see like a wedge from the doorway looking out of the doorway, but you can't see directly to the sides of like the walls. It does it on the overworld that, too, where you yeah, yeah, it covers but, I mean, like, things that, that your characters wouldn't be able to see. That's fun, right? But it, it, it's like it's weird in two D. Like those aren't my eyeballs. I can I can see that, you know. Um, I guess, but it's trying to immerse you in like what this character. You're that character, so like, yeah, you're seeing his perspective, but but like. It, it, you're right. It, it is a an element that they should have probably implemented some things, things that are hiding somewhere or stuff that you can't see around a corner. But the only time that that would happen happens in like the dungeons, which are 3D anyways. But I still was very impressed with the fact that they made it work so well. Like, yeah, it would be nice if there was stuff like hiding in the in the areas you can't see or something. But and th- this is still like a system that is used in like CRPGs today, like uh, the isometrics like you will have a line of sight that when you move around things will uh will appear to you and like that fog of war needs to be sort of cleared um and i think that while it isn't as well implemented as it could have been like you said joe there are still like hidden things around like there's a casino in a town that's like hidden Mm -hmm. around a corner um like when you're walking around uh the the castle there are some uh, places that you sort of have to you sort of have to uh, explore to find um, that in, in in any other if it was just like the screen is just the screen and you see past walls and stuff like that could have 
sort of spoiled your exploration of it. Um, just be like, you just move over a couple, a couple pixels and, oh, oh, there's that other thing. So I, I think it's not a perfect implementation of it, but I think that it, it did, it did add to the experience of the game. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about stuff like that. And, and you know, I know we're talking about the towns right now, but even on the overworld map, that line of sight thing, like mountains block towns. Yeah. You have to go around the mountains to then see like what's over there and stuff. And I, yeah, it did make it so you can't you can't just know exactly where to go just by looking at like the screen. You have to actually go where your character would have to go in order to see these things. And I think that makes sense. Like I, I do like the line of sight thing, and I actually didn't know that that's something that's still implemented in CRPGs. Um. It's it it's kind of I'd like to try it uh, on a new um uh, on a new isometric style game because to me it was just disorienting being in um yeah when it's just you know being like top down yeah exactly like the fact that it's not there's not enough graphics to like convey that well and it looks more like a loading error to me (laughs) I'm glad you guys appreciated it you know but to me it looked more like um you know that feature in Super Mario Brothers 3 where like you can see the first you can see the last line of pixels in, behind oh, right. you yeah, as yeah. well you know it's like okay there has to they have oh, to do that it definitely fell so, into that too um, yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah so i, I think, thought the yeah, same my, thing when i first my gripe saw is it. not is not with the towns themselves i want to be clear i actually thought the towns were pretty fun to explore and just like wander around because that was that was that was the real world building and storytelling right like it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't really happening on the overworld. It was happening in these towns. And like Sean mentioned, that hidden casino and stuff like that, like that builds some character into a game that was that was needing it. Uh, so I appreciate all that stuff. It, I just couldn't get over the um, the, presentation the visual disparity of, it, yeah. of like, yeah, of, of like, okay, I have eyes, they have eyes. Our eyes are not looking at the same thing. So why am I <laughs> why am I limited? <laughs> um, I think that the the towns themselves had. Uh, had a good amount of character. Like there's the there's one that's basically a forest, and uh, uh, it's it doesn't look like the rest of them. Uh, the um, the 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 individual NPCs uh, definitely do sort of like th- there are many copies of them in each town. Like I kept coming across this little girl that kept telling her that they kept telling me not to forget about her, which I yeah. thought was kind of creepy, but. Um, uh, other than that, I think this is, uh, pretty robust, um, uh, for, for this age. I'll say that I, I, I do agree that the, um, the towns, like there, there were a couple of unique ones with like, yeah, there was the, the forest town that was kind of cool. Um, but as far as like the, I don't know, the, the, the functionality of the towns, not all of them, but a lot of them felt not different than any of the other towns. You know what I mean? Like they felt like yeah, f- it didn't f- mean visually. too much to get to a new town. Yeah, like no, visually and functionally. Like I go into a town and I'd be like, oh great, I'm in a new town. I can buy mostly the same things in most of the towns. There are some exceptions, and I can uh, rest up. But there was not like I don't know. I I, I like to equate things to Pokemon because it's pretty, like most people, most people. That's like a common ground for a lot of people. So like. In Pokemon, I'll be like, okay, I need to go to the to the move deleter. So like that's Blackthorn City, and I, and I know Blackthorn City because it's this. But like, okay, now I gotta get this item, and I gotta go to this 
Lavender Town, which is like a ghost town. There's all these ghost references and all this other stuff. Whereas this just felt like, okay, so there's that town to the west, and it's got a name, and it's a town, and it does all the things that the town does. And there's a town in the south, and it's got a name, and it does all the things that towns do. And there were like one or two exceptions. There was like Dawn, which you have to use the moon gates to get to it, and you can get more really powerful weapons. And yeah, there was the, like the forest town. But for the most part, I was always like, okay, I just need to get to a town. I got to rest up. I got to get to a town. Like, it's really the only thing I ever use towns for. Yeah, I I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would say that, like, while they aren't as uh, unique as, as, like, a lavender town, or, like, just towns in RPGs that have... Yeah, even, like, Final Fantasy. uh, Yeah, like, towns that have, like, unique landmarks. Like, it does not have that. But they do have different configurations of like what is available like some places don't have a weapon slash armor shop some places don't have a bar some places uh don't have uh, a grocer so like depending on what you need you do still need to think about like which town is the nearest that can accommodate you uh because they're like the nearest one may not have what you need they'll always have an inn but uh other than that i think that it's sort of uh a random grab bag of what's available. Yeah. In that, that's what true. world does there does the town not have a grocer? I'm like, not saying okay, that we got to go to the realistic. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like that's that's another that's a problem though, right? Like I get like you know, oh this these guys only sell this kind of armor, and if you want this armor, you should go to this to this town. Like oh, fine with that. That all checks out for me. But um, you know, this is the kind of game where I was honestly only expecting one town, and that's like that's the challenge, right? Like you always have to go back to the, to the first town. Like <laughs> you could you could imagine something like that happening. I'm glad they didn't do that. But you know, there there is something strange about uh, necessary things to, to to press on and not having those available to you. Yeah, yeah, and and I will say that because of my eventual reliance on a walkthrough. That I probably did miss out on whether or not there was a good, like, I don't know. You guys tell me, was there a good, like, level of using NPCs to kind of get, gather data and figure out what to do next? Or the couple times I would talk to random NPCs, I would get, like, very little to no information. Um, But then I kind of stopped doing that. I'd say that if you're using a walkthrough, um, like, a lot of the stuff that that comes through... uh, that that's related to like digging up, um, like I forget what the thing, the, the horn, or like the mm-hmm. the the sword. Like if you were the, to then talk to a bunch of NPCs, you'll get hints on like how to do that. Um, like a lot of them do give like compared to other games, relatively valuable hints. Um, but if you're using a walkthrough, you're probably not going to run into that. Right. Well, I mean, I can't even imagine a hint that would come up in one of those however many character text boxes that gives me any information that would help me get, like, that the, the mystic armor, which is on, like, a random island in a random unmarked spot. That you yeah, I'm know, not saying that the, it's the, very how specific. Would I know that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the mystery of it, though. It's the, right. you know, it's some of its flavor text. Uh, you, you hear about something, and then they want you to just kind of, like, search for it from mm-hmm. there on out you know yeah try um, and figure yeah i i, get that. I guess I at, at this point we, we've kind of come to the agreement that fans of this game will appreciate that that was done rather than you know this random woman in town happens to have very specific information about where you should go next like it seems like fans of this game would hate that because that's the walkthrough right like 
Why yeah. would she know where where this right, thing exactly yeah. is? That's why I feel like there's a happy medium. Plus, there's a level of like I'm. I think my expectations also stem a little bit from like more, not even modern games, but like later games than on the NES, where it's like, oh, there's like conversations that are, there's actually a story being told, and I can figure it out based on the story. I can figure out where to like guess, where to start guessing, like educated guesses based on the story, rather yeah. than where it's here, where it's just like, like a vague hint that like you would take hours and hours of just guesswork to figure out what they're talking about. I don't, and again, I don't even know if that's how it was. That's just how I was imagining it. Cause most of the people I spoke to were like, welcome to Montour West or like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't forget about me or like go to Ambrosia. And I'm like, what? Like the, I the didn't even know that mundane died. <laughs> Did you guys go to the hospitals to give blood to get gold? I tried once and, uh, all party members were, too close to death to be any use, so I just decided not to. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to be pretty close to full health, if not full health, to like really use the yeah. system. But yeah. um, uh, what was I gonna say? The uh, that that's like a good way to get some gold because you know that uh, you know your blood, like in real life, stuff's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so sell sell your blood. Like this game could just be you living in a town, never really like. You know, just trying to like make days, <laughs> you know, days meet at the inn. You're just like, okay, I don't have a place to stay. I gotta sleep at the inn. I'm gonna go fight some skeletons to get enough gold to then sleep at the inn for the day. And uh, oh shit, I didn't fight enough skeletons today. Gotta go give some blood. That's, that's typical. Also, that's pretty like, advanced doctors for uh, like they're doing blood transfusions or like they just want like, the blood. Yeah, I guess time. so. Well, maybe yeah, that's true. Maybe there's some spell that they use it for. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's like Exodus hates blood. And you're just trying to get away. You know, like they're like, oh, we're going to make circles around the whole town with your blood. <laughs> Exodus, by the way, not the character on the box art. Not that devil uh, Satan-like character. Exodus is a is a giant, uh, well, it's actually, I was going to say machine, but they, they describe it on the in the manual as neither human or machine. So it, I thought it was the island. I thought the island was Exodus. Right. I guess it's just like it, it's it's an ominous thing. Like it's it, it's like um, you can't really describe it, right? Is it the island or is it like the, the spirit presence within uh, the maybe. island? The presence. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I guess you know. I, re- start... I read the I read the manual once and then just played the game. So like, well, yeah. Exodus is the creation of Minax and Mundane, who I That's think actually, are yeah, it's actually one and two. Yeah. Yeah, Ultima yeah. 1 and 2, which is, that's also really cool. Like, all of a sudden, that's some pretty cool stuff for a game I've been ragging on. Like, you know, the idea that it's not uh, a man or a machine, it's it's a presence, <laughs> and that it was created by, and it was created by the villains of the previous two but games. But again, it's like, that's, man, this that's is our epic. words, that's not the game. I don't know if it's a presence. <laughs> yeah, is it just like a place? I thought it was just I a like place. the idea that, like, I like the idea that, like, I'm going to start, like, dramatizing things that I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about like, my water bottle. I'll tell someone, like, it's neither human nor machine. <laughs> like, it's just, like, anything that's not human or machine. It's just, like, the, you know, the, the the grass is not human nor machine. That's right. Exodus was a water bottle. I forgot about that. You just, <laughs> is a water you bottle technically it. a simple machine? Like, it's a container? Nah, it's just know. a thing. I don't think just so. A thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's screwed. There's a lid that screws on. That's kind of... The know. bottle itself. I don't know who beat the... I don't know who beat the game here, but it's important to mention that uh, Exodus does not uh, like challenge you to a fight. You to defeat him, you have to like solve a bunch of puzzles that he's set up for you. Um, 
I didn't do it, but that sounds pretty fun um, and stupid. <laughs> for, like the end of a game where like the whole thing was you grinding combat, and now it's like solve a bunch of puzzles if you want to beat me. It's like it's wait really a not even solve the puzzle. It's like re- just write down what the Time Lord said to you, and then do that. Uh, and then you walk out, and I think the like the island falls into the sea. Oh, we're, we're spoiling the game, um, and then it cuts to credits. Ah, the old Banjo Kazooie fairy godmother route. Got it. No idea what that means. Classic. But I agree. Right before Exodus, you also have to fight the floor. The floor? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's the floor is lava. I I assume that there's actually like characters there that just are the exact same sprite as the repeated tile of the floor is that's what happened is that what that is i'm confused yeah there's like a battle where it looks like nothing's there but there's a bunch of enemies you can't see because they are the floor wow i did not get to this part (laughs) (laughs) i didn't either but i now joe i like your explanation but i don't think it's true i think you are quite literally fighting the floor (laughs) from what i understand of the ultima wiki well, I, I, my explanation was more of what I thought was like technically what the game was doing. Oh, like, I think gotcha. There's actually yeah, yeah. Like that's probably enemies <laughs> that are like just the same tile as the floor. Yeah, because you do have to fight specific spots. You can't just like be like, get on your hands and knees yeah. and strike are, this are thing. Are we sure it's like, not ghosts? Like maybe it's just invisible things? It's called floor. It's called floor. The wiki was pretty All clear. Right, whatever. It's also, I watched, I, so I watched somebody beat it and I think like the name of the enemy, did the enemies have names? I can't remember. But for some reason yeah. I yeah, knew they it was had floor names. also. Yeah. I would like to see like this campaign actually uh, ran as like a and d module where the, like the, the DM has to say like how, like describe how you're attacking the floor and how the floor is attacking you. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty funny because now you're making me guess, like, was it the floor (laughs) or was it invisible enemies? Like, theoretically, like, there is no wrong answer, I love how much we've been been stuck on this floor thing. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you're, like, slowly losing your mind as you're saying, like, like, was it the floor floor or was it a good final boss? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, second, you know, the penultimate boss. But, like, I don't know. I never expect the floor. But yeah. I guess that's no different than that hand in Legend of Zelda that will grab you. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're handmaster or whatever and they're not looking at you. It's, it's bizarre. But it's this giant hand that just comes down from the ceiling. It's crazy creepy. But, you know, that's also, like, who thought of that? I, I like, think hand weird. works better so, than floor. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. The floor is Exodus. <laughs> you are the floor. You've been the floor the whole time. Uh, one last thing I want to explain is that we, we keep we keep referencing this exploit that apparently we all used to make the game a lot easier. And I feel like maybe we should just let the listeners know exactly what that was to kind of get a better handle. So no, that's the mystery. We're the NPCs. Yeah, of this right, game. right. Uh, well, the NPCs don't talk about the exploit. You know, that's be funny if they did though. <laughs> um, but basically, you can't you can't get your pirate ship you can't you can't steal a pirate ship i think until level five yes you're level five correct but once you get past level two from that point on every time you go up levels you're going to get harder and harder enemies and that's when the game gets like really really difficult so what the exploit is and why i had so many party members but also uh it wasn't the only reason i had so many party members but you make like a sacrificial party (laughs) you you get enough money and experience to level them up to level five, go get your pirate ship, and then as soon as you have the pirate ship, go save, 
restart restart the game and I, I I don't know if you have to delete those characters. I did, but you might not even have to, but I delete those characters and get new, fresh, level one characters. All the enemies on the screen go back to being, like, level one. And no enemies will appear in the water, which the game intends for you to run into enemies in the water because by the time you can get the ship enemies, you're at high enough level where enemies appear in the water. So the game stays very easy, but you have access to... Not very easy, but the game stays easy and you have access to everywhere in the game. Definitely not the way it was intended, but I honestly can't imagine enjoying playing it the way it was intended. It also adds a lot more grinding uh, than we ever needed to, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Well, you mean if we, you mean if we had not done the exploit? Well, I think the, it, it balances out with with like not running into those other creatures and having the rest of the game be easier. But it's still like it's it's more grinding before you can do your do your thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But what? So from what I, I didn't test this to see how true it was, but from what I was reading in the guide that that gave me the idea for this exploit, um, it was saying that like, trust me, it takes way less time to max out your level when you're at level one and fighting low level enemies than fighting high level enemies that have higher experience rewards, but take way longer than like uh, the, than it would take. Yeah. To, so uh, so so they were you know that and like I think there was one other source that said like it's going to take you way longer to play this game if you do it the right way. Yeah, I think all all speed runs take advantage of that too. And it's just something it's funny because like you you saying that we didn't talk about it, Joe, is just it's it's like one of those things where we just assumed. Yeah, it's like that's like, the game. It, <laughs> the yeah. other way is but the also weird like, way to play the game. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the way to play the game, but also like do you want people to know the exploit? Should they decide that on their own like there's so many things around this, but it's like I can't I can't think of any other example like this because it's not really it's not really like a cheat code and it's not really like a mechanic that was intended. It's it's you know, it's not quite like the warp zone worlds in Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. where you're like, Oh, don't tell people about that. They have to discover that on their own. Like I I don't know um how to feel about the exploit system other than knowing that like all three of us, without talking to each other, felt it necessary to use it. <laughs> right, right. You know, I think it's just like one of those things everybody decides uh, at some point while they're playing this game, like, you know, maybe I want to do this instead. Like, maybe I want to find a way yeah. to play this game a little bit easier. Right. And there are there are exploits in other games that, you know, that ruin the challenge of the game. In this game, I think the exploit, personally, I think the exploit makes it a better game. <laughs> So, you know, there are nine numbered Ultima games. We technically played the third one, but they struck the three out of it. Um, And I say nine because seven was split into two parts. It was Ultima 7 Part 1 and Ultima 7 Part 2. So that's technically just like the same game, but we'll just say nine. The last of these games was released in 1999. Wow. That's pretty crazy. It's been like an absence of Ultima 
for two two decades now. Yeah, I mean, I know that like Ultima is like one of those one of those founding RPG series, like that, and it spawned uh, uh, it spawned genres like Ultima Underworld. Pretty much created like what would become like the first person RPG and like the immersive sim. Um, and then you got Ultima Online, which was I, I, was it the first MMO? I don't I don't quite remember. No, I think that it wasn't that EverQuest. Maybe it was EverQuest. I'm not sure, but um, I, it has a legacy. But I, I, it's crazy that I had no idea that there were no newer ones, or at least in this century. <laughs> well, si- since you brought up Ultima Online. I want to I want to share two really funny stories that you know because it's ultimate it's an ultimate episode might as well. Um, online games MMOs you know they they have a, a a fandom behind them and there's a lot of different rules and Ultima likes to pride itself on the systems it creates and just sticking to those systems. So long before they invited players into the game, they were creating this world um, that like had a vegetation system and, like, animals, yeah, Yeah, you know, and um, the creators of the games had no idea that the player base would just kill everything. Destroyed the ecosystem. You know, whether it was, like, right, exactly, just, like, I want to kill all the bears whether they attack me or not, and and in doing so, by killing, like, um, anything, you know, that that happened to Rome, they destroyed the vegetation system (laughs) in the game, (laughs) And and therefore it was like okay now we actually can't have this system because they're, these are necessary things that need to survive. So after like trying to like combat it by like fixing spawn points and doing stuff like that, eventually they just had to just scrape the whole system and start a new one that just was like these things will just spawn <laughs> regardless of anything. You know, like they don't need to reproduce, they don't need to have these things living around them. They'll just happen. So I thought that was pretty fun. I love it. Because like the, um, the game never you know, needed that. But it was I, I right. love when games have these systems for very tertiary reasons. But I guess that also explains why we can't have nice things. And it's, it's like, relevant to Ultima Three. You know, <laughs> it's like there's so many things in this game that's like I'm I'm not a fan of it, but hey, it's there. And they chose to include those things as like you know systems that somebody could use to potentially exploit or to uh immerse themselves further um there's a lot of like optionality in playing uh both ultima 3 and mmos so i see the parallel now lord british okay who is the creator of ultimas uh that's his in-game alter ego he appeared in ultima online (laughs) and was killed (laughs) during an in-game beta test on august 9th 1997 uh they were doing a population stress test on the server and a player character now known as reigns cast the firefield spell killing lord british and was like banned i'm just amazed that they from, didn't make him invincible like <laughs> apparently there was an exploit because of the beta test that like he for a moment was not invincible oh my god and, that's like really like taking down like a I don't know, like a mythical godlike person. Like for one moment, every every beta test, <laughs> he's not invincible. Right, right. And Lord British died on that day in Ultima Online, August 9, 1997. Another fun story. We could talk about Ultima all day, sequels and spinoffs, but we got two other Ultima games to play through, four and five. 
Um, at least four, actually. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure if five came to the West. But we'll play them regardless. And um, who knows? Maybe Ultima 4 fixes everything we talked about. Um, there is one thing I forgot to do, though. It's a very important thing. It's something we do every episode, and we're going to have to do it again today. We are going to have to decide if Ultima Exodus for the Nintendo Entertainment System is on the Essential Games list. Sean, you are up first. Please give your vote for the Essential Games list. Um, I've I've basically said my piece on uh, on most of my opinions on this game, but the the bottom line is that this is another one of those great collections of ideas. Um, that while it very well may have been amazing in 1989, um, and I love it for a lot of different systems and cool little things, uh, it right now is just a, a frustration to play, and I was really kind of hating myself near the end of my playthrough. I didn't finish, um, but I, I can't take away from the things that it did. But I can also not put this on the essential games list. I can't in good faith knowing the um, the time sink of this game and the value that is um, inside of it. You know, uh, the essence of what this game really is. I can't recommend this to anybody. Not even on like the, the like if you're interested level. Like there are so many RPGs. You'll find something other than Ultima Exodus. I, I don't know what it is about this game but i'm exhausted (laughs) not that the episode is so long i'm exhausted about how much i had to say about this game how much i had to play this game how much i had to look into this game this was a task that i wouldn't put on anybody else and so i can't recommend this game to anybody it is not on my essential you're a martyr joe all right this this might be a little bit of a surprising statement but i did have fun I did have quite a bit of fun playing this game, um, and I, at the when I first started, I'll say when I first started this game, I, my 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 initial thought was like, oh my god, like this has got to be an essential game. Like once I play more of it, obviously I did quite a one eighty on on that thought as I played more, but just to I I I think that I'm doing with this sort of the opposite of what I do with shmups a lot. A lot of times I'll say about a shmup like, hey, this game. It's just not in the, the genre that I like, but I get why other people like it. And I think, to be fair, I have to do that with this game, too, where it's like, this game is in the genre I like, and I'm really excited about it, to finally get to play, like, an RPG proper on the NES. Kind of, like, I had to kind of stop and look at, examine that and be like, how much of that is me just being, like, pumped to finally be able to play this? And and how much uh, how much of it is, like, actually, like, good or actually bad? So I actually I, I made a little a little pros and cons list, and sorry for being a little long winded. I know we're on a long <laughs> episode here, but here here's what I ended up with my pros and cons list. Pro, there's a good sense of exploration that we don't see in a ton of games yet on the NES. But here's three cons: the different towns and locations don't mean too much because they're just not different enough most of the time. Uh, there's only one continent that's very deceiving at first it looks like a huge world but the more you explore you realize it's a very small world that loops a lot and three you absolutely in my opinion need a guide so those three cons already more than negate the pro okay the next pro is there's a variety of strategies and techniques that you can use in the battles 
which which is true. There's a lot. Um, the next con is that most of the battles are almost all grinding. They're most there's a lot of luck. There's no boss battles. There's almost no time to use those strategies. Again, the con negates the the pro. Third pro. The 3D mazes were, in my opinion, the best that we've had on the NES as far as, like, orientation and feeling like you know where you're going and you can actually feel like you're going. But for some reason, they made this choice that all these early NES games seem to make where they just make things completely based on, like, random, like, guess and check. Completely, like, negating the fact that they're mazes at all because you just got to guess. Finally, my last pro here is that uh, there's a good level up system that's unique. You gain experience in like a different way than you would in a, you gain experience, but you level up when you want to, when you go to, to the king or whatever. Um, you visit shrines to visit, to increase your attributes, which is like a little journey in and of itself. But the game feels like it's more fun to use an ex- exploit that avoids using those level ups for most of the game. It would take so much longer to actually, actually play it the way it wants. And, for those reasons, I mean, clearly this game should not be on the essential games list. Um, I will say though that I, I would say if you're interested in this kind of thing, you might like it. You might like, you know, exploring around and kind of seeing this if you're an RPG fan. Um, but yeah, not essential. Wow. Joe, I can't believe you're going to subject people to playing this game. <laughs> I just think I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. I think there are no, other no, people it's fine. out there. I'm only teasing anyway. No, no, no. It's like everybody, every like you, like you were saying with the shmup thing too. It's like there are some people who probably think that if it's a shmup, I automatically like it. You know, like we 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 have these things and quirks about us. I can understand what right. you're saying, but um, I have to give that recommendation of like just maybe find some other rpg like there's gotta be yeah, something yeah. else out there that just released on steam a couple <laughs> weeks ago that you yeah can play instead. well i mean like, that yeah that was another thing i thought a lot about too is like there's so many rpgs there's really no reason to go back to this one unless you're interested in like what it was like like a weird attempt to try like an early rpg like that's what makes it makes it interesting and it's fun to create your characters and all that stuff well gentlemen it was a great episode uh, certainly one of our longest ever um, I can't guarantee that next week's episode, which is dance aerobics, will be any longer. It might be three to four hours. I think we could we could find some material. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I mean, well, because that's with the power pad, also, right? Like this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I played this true. with the power any pad. Any NES game is, can be played yeah. with the power pad. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I didn't know um, that. Anyway. Yeah. A lot of crazy things. A lot of crazy things. <laughs> But the funny thing about dance aerobics, of course, is that it takes place in the Ultimate Universe. So it's like you have, you know, like right next to Ambrosia is dance aerobics. Right, right. Right. Only when the when the moon is full, when both moons are right, full. Right, right. Oh yeah, that's the secret. That's the secret uh, unlock in this game. You beat Ultimate Exodus. You unlock dance aerobics. Right. right. Well, if this you're podcast. Still <laughs> this podcast is basically every time we beat a game, we unlock the next game that came out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So hopefully one of us beat it or else we're not going <laughs> to unlock true. dance aerobics. All right. If you're still listening, uh, wow. Thank you so much. We, we you appreciate really like, you. Uh, the three, yeah, you really like the three of us. Um, I, although a couple people have said they don't like the Bills. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you can like NostalgiaCast and not the Bills. They kind of go <laughs> hand in hand. Well, I don't know. We ton- are a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't know like a ton about the NFL. 
But the one thing that I do know that everybody should remember is that John Elway is not the owner of the Denver Broncos. I'm specifically talking to you, Sean. I oh, so I, I don't think I can forget remember that. that. Please don't I forget. Think I can that. remember that. Yeah, because yeah. like yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure you you don't ever like. I mean, I do it. know that. I mean, I've known that for a long time. Right. Good. Yeah. If you want to find more nostalgia, just uh, check out the Twitter page at NostalgiaCast. We're posting things every Monday to Friday. We do not usually post on Saturdays and Sundays because we respect your weekend and we want you to go outside and have a great time. Uh, or in the inside, do wear a mask. <laughs> I'm not the boss of you. Yeah, wear a mask inside and outside, and while you sleep at night, whatever you want. Uh, maybe that mask is over your eyes though, instead of over your mouth. You know, like. We're not the boss of you. You're actually the boss of us. So tweet at NostalgiaCast and just start making, like, high-level executive decisions about what the show should be and what we should be doing. I think we're at that point now where we can take the honest feedback that we've been seeking. So, yeah. Well, this, dude, uh, Twitch runs NostalgiaCast. Nostalgia yeah, exactly. Runs exactly. That's how it's yeah. doing it. Uh, I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. Uh, you're not the boss of me, so don't tweet me and tell me things about myself. I don't need to hear them. At NostalgiaCast is where you direct all feedback to the show. For me, you can usually find nothing. I don't even know why I give out my Twitter handle. I tweet once a month. Um, all right. Exodus. Exodus. <laughs>